Okay, shut up. <laughs> you just Are we really recording already? <laughs> Get the conversation going. <laughs> I just got I'm not ready. I'm not ready yet. I thought I would just introduce this. Do you want to explain to the listeners <laughs> what it is you're talking about? I'll explain to the listeners that I got here seven minutes ago. I haven't done my stretches. I haven't done my vocal warm up. I just hit record, and Ben, the editor, can cut it and start it whenever he pleases. That's my true. My phone's not even on silent yet. That's Let true. It buzz, I bitch. still have my phone out as well. I just feel like we usually come to some sort of consensus before we even. Brandon, get ready. Brandon is the captain now. <laughs> In a way, he always was. I'm so why don't, so why don't you then explain to uh, your microphone? What you're looking Someone. at? I just burped into the microphone. I'm <laughs> I not, had, none I had, of us are ready. I had so much shit I wanted to spill before we got on mm. here. Not stuff that I can put on the record. Well, now you have to. Well, redacted. This is a photo. Brian De Palma is redacted of Tony from Incredibles One, side by side. Tony with a photo of Tony from Incredibles Two, and the bitch got thinner, mm. got still, a more pronounced nose. Still more Tonys than Mean Girls One, and now he's a brunette. He's more my type in two. That's why they did it. Fun. Should we? Um... So this is movies IMO. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> that can't. No, I know none of that will go in. <laughs> right. So now we have to have another introductory conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so we can just start talking about the Pixar's movie, or what, let's talk about I've, our weekends. What I've been we riding do? a lot the past few days. Good. And you know, I hate it, <laughs> but here we are. That's Writing sucks and it's hard. Yes. And you just keep doing it. You just keep going. Yep. I don't even think about it anymore when I'm actually writing. You See, but that's, I mean? part yeah. of, that's part of the reward when you're doing it enough that sitting down to do it, even though it's frustrating, you just do it. I you just have to do it. And then I you look it. back at it. And actually, an accomplishment. the Netflix film set it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, Directed by my cousin. <laughs> I love that so much. He's not my cousin anymore, <laughs> the, but lovely person. The female lead, who, uh, the actress's name who's that's uh, eluding me Zoe right Deutsch. Now. Thank you. Nice. Her, she's a Star writer. Star of Everybody Wants Some. In the film, is she? she? She's in Everybody Wants Some. Mm-hmm. <gasps> she's the main. They're girl? both in. She's the main Everybody girl. Wants Some. How they fun is sure, that? They sure are. Nice. Oh, I love. That. That's what the two exclamation points in Everybody Wants Some are for. Where the two stars being born. Oh my Glenn gosh! Look at them. I want Glenn Powell to just fly <laughs> me to the moon. I just want him to crush my entire body between his thighs. Nice. Anyway, so she's a writer. And I just want to like the have one, like shrimp scampi with them. There's like mm-hmm. a no. I want him to murder me. I, I there's so many like small truths sprinkled throughout set it up that really surprised me. And one of the things is being a writer is just you just have to do it, and you it's hate so what painful. you're writing. It's, it's you signing hate the, it. It's electing to live in purgatory for what will probably be years, and electing to live in solitude. Right. Because you have to do it alone. Yeah. Yes. And it's time consuming. You you don't. You do. But not everybody does. I've written with a partner and I've written by myself. And writing with a partner is fun. It's fun. It is. But you're... You don't actually get to... Like, if if you believe more in your voice Mm -hmm. versus yours plus, even if you're happy with both products, it's not the same experience. So if you really are interested in, like being true to yourself and nobody the fuck else, then obviously. Right. It's the lonely road for you. Solitude. 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 Solitary. Solitary. <laughs> Solitaire. Backgammon. 
Mm. Hearts. But I am proud of myself that, like, while I'm doing the act of writing, I don't have the little voice of this is awful. Good. I'm just, That's fantastic. I barrel forward. And so then when I'm done, that. like, three hours pass, and I'm like, Oh God! <laughs> yeah, that's the best that's, feeling that's, in the world. That's, that's what you have to do. You have to ignore that voice, mm-hmm. and then you just go the back. The inner saboteur. Yes. The inner saboteur. I just go. I I have never had. I mean, I haven't written anything in a couple of years now, but I used to do it for like six years straight. And the inner saboteur, like that really angry, unfair, critical voice in my head, only really came during revisions mm. when I was having to reread what I had written. Mm. But the act of actually just getting it on the page and spewing and refine. Like I could refine as I was writing on my Mm. first draft and I would not be that critical with myself. I would only be thinking about content, flow, ideas, moving the story forward. But then on that edit, that's when I like that's when screenwriting, it gets really difficult for me because when the inner saboteur. Well, it's like I'd and you're like, but it's, it's like an inner saboteur, but it's also the same thing that we're doing on this podcast every week is we mm-hmm. are using whatever critical lens that we have. Like as people, I'm not saying that we're the three sharpest. We're not, we're not like Barry Lyndon lenses. We're not reinventing like what the camera is, but we do all have our own critical lens and we enjoy mm-hmm. looking at work through that. So yeah. I've always found editing my own work to be very difficult because I, I just instinctively put on the same uh, critical lens that we you know spew bullshit about here every week yeah on my own work and then that's right. when it's like that's when you really start to hate yourself yeah that's yeah that's a lot of uh mental uh brutal gymnastics i love editing because that's when i feel like i'm eugene o'neill oh. <laughs> <laughs> or wouldn't what do you add stuff when you're editing do you add like 30 more pages yes really my first drafts are very that's short. true actually i know and that then you actually. add yeah that's when you get to give the long rambling monologue. That's also that strikes my, at the heart of the play. That is also my speaking style. Is the let me? What are the least amount of words? And I'll only add more if I have to. Yeah, <laughs> it should not surprise you that I have the exact opposite problem. Right, the that, flowing and then the I, editing. No, later. I'm like, do I need seven lines here when the character <laughs> could just say, "Have you tried again?" You know. <laughs> Does everybody need to mo- Speaking of the Incredibles, do we, does everyone really need to be monologuing all the time? Mm. Speaking of the Incredibles, Catherine Keener has a fucking lock on women hypnotists in the cinema. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I had that exact thought sitting in the Vista Theater. I was like, I am loving. I was this at the stage. Grove after I was shunned from the Vista. <laughs> she she is a- because everyone gets there forty five minutes early and is all the theater and it was Father's full. Day. I should have. No, oh, like yeah. realize. What I love about I, Catherine Keener, I just Keener, love her like the, the this this phase of her career right now. She is the exhausted supervillain with yes. the heavy eyelids, and her superpower <laughs> is lulling everyone else to sleep along with her. Yes, her her motto as a supervillain name. is "Get on my level." <laughs> her name is. Oh, I go for it. Green slaver. <laughs> oh, oh God. I, uh, when I heard that, I was like, that can't be real. I, that can't be right. And it's true about all of the That's super, such a first all the, draft all the, all the, all the superhero name. names. Well, think about Frozone. Like, it's, it's, it's like, of all of the puns, you're going with Ozone? Mm-hmm. Fr- frozen, Ozone. Like, how about... Um, I guess all their names how about are I really How think... about Icebreaker? There's one. Like, it's not, it it's not, doesn't roll Ooh. off the tongue as well, but like it's... Like the gum. Like oh, the, the gum. Speaking like of the... Inside Out... 
the gun oh. commercial jingle. I can't oh, remember. Yes. Da, 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 I didn't. Da, okay. Da, da. I didn't understand da, da, your da. tweet where they're in the defragmenter and it's hereditary. Because her head is off. I I deleted it because I actually thought it was just dumb. Oh, her head fell off. Yeah, I get it. I, <laughs> when they were an ab- oh. when they were an abstract thought and sadness, his head is falling oh. off, and there's she's just. Behind the head with no head. I get I'm it. I'm like, that reminds me of I, the movie I saw. I was overthinking it. I was like, is this like the mini house? I was confused. Oh, no. I mean, you're right to think I was doing some you severe deep it. thinking <laughs> on my shit posts. <laughs> you know, um, like that moment when no matter, I don't know if you're, you know, you could be 21, you could be five, and you have that moment and you learn the word gay and you like suddenly have a word to describe what you felt you are and you do your entire life. I don't life. know that moment in my life. Oh, I had a, I had a moment I don't like either. that. You, the moment you realize you're gay is what but I'm saying. But the word. Oh, okay, well, for me anyway, it was like attaching a word to an expression. But now, that's now you're sending me into a spiral if I had that moment in my life. All I'm trying to, we don't need to overanalyze it. All <laughs> no, I definitely was just, I thought I was straight for so much longer, like actively. I learned, when I learned so what you the, heard word, the word gay long before you. When I learned then. what the word shit posting it was, I'm like, oh, that's what I've been doing this whole time. <laughs> yes. That's been God. me forever. <laughs> Sorry we trampled your joke, but. Oh, no, it's fine. I mean,. We I, had we no, had but experiences you, to bring up. No, I I, I, I didn't did invite it uh, since I was. I felt like I was. It was, I was like in a rhythm that was Anton Eco eating the ratatouille. We were both just like, wait, <laughs> yes, we were all transported <laughs> back. Wait, whoa, back in my childhood. When did I realize the word gay is what I was? <laughs> so did Fuck. we? So before I can remember driving to work, I worked at a grocery store in high school and being like, so what if I am gay? And then I just like buried that. Did for, you say like, that? out loud to the person Did no i was driving to work oh i thought sorry he I heard... said it aloud to his inner saboteur and the inner saboteur was like bag shut up i can <laughs> even remember which stretch of road i was on my inner saboteur um the relationship i have with my inner saboteur is very similar to emily watson and breaking the mm. waves in order to communicate with the inner saboteur i must be kneeling and you have to have a full on <laughs> and i have and to you have to be clutching a pew <laughs> god I'm always here. I wish I could get away from you. I'm stuck in this head. You think you've got it hard. Oh, Did anyone else notice that Catherine Keener's name in Incredibles 2, Evelyn Dever, is Evil Endeavor? Oh, my oh, God. Oh, Jesus Christ. Which is a problem for me because as soon as... You know, Brad as... Bird is typing that and he's like, it makes me laugh. It's... What I love about The Incredibles 2... It's just Incredibles 2. Drop the the. It's cleaner. Is that... Uh capitalist is the good guy <laughs> in the end the politics of this film are so all over the well place. here's the thing about it is that brad bird clearly had like many 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 ideas yes. political ideas ideas about capitalism ideas about like, i think consumerism. he also t- tying together keep and, going but tying and, what we've been talking about here i think he also had many 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 drafts of this story going on which is probably why it took 14 years but like he never follows through Correct. on any of these conversations. He ideas. He's trying to start. Hello, this is Movies IMO. Thank you. Oh, right. My name is Ben Empey. <laughs> I'm Daniel Crook. Brandon Kirby. We are here today to talk about the late, the 20th Pixar film, Brad Bird's seventh feature film. Oh, I don't know. I actually don't know that I can answer. count. I can do it offhand. Iron Giant, Incredibles, Ratatouille, Mission Impossible, Tomorrowland, sixth. I feel like there's one missing, isn't there? I don't know. No, that's right. I don't know. All right. I accept. This is his sixth motion picture. 
And love to count. He is a baby boomer. And <laughs> that has never shown more than in this movie because math has changed. They keep changing math. <laughs> what? Old man yells at math is what this movie is. I changing math. Also, uh, if 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 Brad Bird is running for Congress, like I think about on the on like this is such a weird example because she's actually amazing, but like Danica Rome, the transgender legislator from Virginia, mm-hmm. she runs on. We're going to fix the damn roads. <laughs> you know, like one issue. She's a yeah. one issue candidate who also like has a lot of issues, but she decides to funnel it all into one easy platform. So everyone knows, oh, Danica, she's the highway lady. Mm-hmm. Brad Bird is like, get off your screens. <laughs> yes. like, the screens are hypnotizing us. Break the screen. You sound like Bob Odenkirk. Oh, oh what do you do? <laughs> well, I kind of felt that. I should try okay. to Emmy Award nominee Bob Odenkirk, who should be Emmy Award winner. By the time Bob this, may, by the hey, by the time this drops, maybe he will be Emmy Award winner. Bob Odenkirk. Are no, the Emmys call this Saul week? On this year. What's happening? So. The, the Emmys also don't happen on Sunday. I'm just being silly <laughs> and irreverent. I didn't even think about that. Is the ambassador voiced by Rosa? Isabella Rossellini. She's so good. Uh, what does she say? She's like. I am the ambassador, and you are Elastigirl, and that is why I am shaking your hand. Or like, <laughs> she, she explains what she's doing about the handshake, I think, in a way that is very Isabella Rossellini. I want a supercut of only her lines. Mm. I want a supercut of is, not a supercut of us. I love uh, when they're on the helicopter, and she's just like, do what she says. Yeah. <laughs> I also love that, uh, that she can't swim. <laughs> And, you know, not that you have to know how to swim in order to be a sophisticate, mm-hmm. but I love that there's not even a set, like, there's no extra cut back to her being like, I can't swim. It's, like, very functional, like, I can't swim. And then the <laughs> and last you, girl just, like, grabs her, and, and then they're then flying around. And, and, and the cutaway of the three guys getting chucked into the water. Kicked out. It's great. <laughs> Bye. Which is a lot of what the movie could be doing, but I'm not sure if it's doing, is shoving all the irrelevant men mm, out the side of the helicopter know. to a safe landing. We're not indicting men too much in this film. But it's also like very half hearted feminism. And I don't even know yeah. if it, I don't even know if it's trying what's, to what's, talk about that. Yeah, and what's interesting is that when I saw the first te- teaser trailer for this and it was like Elastigirl's the one doing right. the saving. It is like it's this is the Elastigirl. It movie. sets it up to be a feminist movie, but mm-hmm. it doesn't follow through on any of it. We it becomes, the ideas, it still becomes a family movie. Right. Yeah, except the family it becomes I mean, I'm not saying that having a separation in the family story means that it can't still be about the family. Right. But I actually find the story between the family members to be so fragmented, partly because Elastigirl is just all the way out in some other yes, city. It's agree. about the dad with the kids, not the full family unit. I, You know what? I hate to say this. And not because I don't agree with it. I just hate that I'm having to say this. But I think that even though the film purports to be... And by the way, I'm not like super negative on this movie, but I do have criticisms of it. Yeah. Same. It's it rather than rather than being the Elastigirl story and basically flipping what happens in The Incredibles, where Mr. Incredible is our protagonist, we are following him on his separate journey here, and the family is sort of kept at bay in a way that is thematically apropos. Mm-hmm. Like the the fact that he's being an absent dad and an, an absent it husband is a big part of like it. a family movie, right? No, of course, exactly, right? exactly. Mm-hmm. But but Mr. Incredible is still the protagonist of the first film. Or or, or yeah. it's his story that sets it into motion. Right. I think it's his you're following him being upset about it. It just it frankly about it gives him the most screen time and the most attention. Yeah. Yeah. And you it gives him think, the most interesting arc. Oh, are you talking about Incredibles too? 
Which one are you talking about? I'm talking Incredibles 1. Oh, no. sorry. No, no, but that's where I'm going with this. That's true. That's where I'm going with this. Oh, sorry. Is that, no, don't be. I, I'm glad not to be alone on this point. The Incredibles 2 should have been, and I really hate like the should haves in, in film criticism, but in this movie, I have a lot of should haves. Me too, which is frustrating. And this <laughs> film should have been Elastigirl front and center. Yep. And then her story should be guiding the rest of the and narrative. It should be the reverse of what Mr. Incredible is going through, which is a mom returning to work. Yes. But instead, we focus on the emotional struggle of a dad having to be a, a stay at home parent. Which is, which is, it should be flipped. Yes. It should, everything about it is like, He's uh, a, you're this almost is where, there. And. I think I've said on the podcast before, but like at a certain point, it's not fair to be speculating about a director's psychology or their politics or their background, unless they've of course like spoken explicitly about it. Like with Scorsese, obviously guilt and like Catholic guilt is going to be in the film. Um, Preconcerned, like being interested in sin, whatever. But this is another place where he really shows his baby boomerness in a way that I find very annoying, which is that mm-hmm. he clearly finds the idea of Mr. Incredible being a stay-at-home parent inherently very funny. Very, Correct. very funny. Very hilarious. funny. Can and I, I give it a zero. <laughs> oh, can I introduce an idea? Yes. I think... Please do. The biggest flaw of Incredibles 2 mm-hmm. is the fact... Let me just opening an Anchor Steam beer. Oh, good. Open up. <laughs> I'm doing the opposite of an anchor, though. I'm not securing the conversation. I'm letting it drift away. So my bad. Um, the biggest flaw with Incredibles 2 is that it picks up right where Incredibles 1 leaves off. So it puts it in this very strange place where it feels like it's a Pixar movie that came out 10 years ago mm-hmm. when it should feel incredibly contemporary and progressive in the way like let's say like a toy story three felt like the but the, the you should have launched i think the the sequel should have been launched into the future i think S- make it set like five years into the future i think you could have done that or you could have done what they do here but i don't think that they stick the landing of the con- the conceit that you're talking about i just think that I think they could have like done more progressive things without changing when it takes place because I already, agree. the movie takes place in the sixties. Yeah, right. civil rights baby. It is act, right. It is actively and like explicitly in the sixties. Mm-hmm. This is a period of social change and turmoil so, and unrest. Like it could have picked Activism. up the next fucking day as it does, and it could have been about something else. Yeah, I agree. And it could have been not about white people enjoying the the free mansion they've received <laughs> or the fact that or the fact that white people and frozone but the faces of the superheroes here are white mm-hmm. are given body cams yeah. and it, and, it, and it is not in order to protect civilians the uh, body cam is so that they can be appreciated yeah. for the law and order that they're yes. preserving it's yeah. fucked it's I, fucked but it's also like okay i was th- i was having a pretty intense conversation with myself during this movie about what does a movie a contemporary movie owe to a contemporary sense of politics mm-hmm. or of social environment. Like, what is the obligation Incredibles 2 has to talk about police brutality, for instance? Like, is it the job of that of this children's film to directly comment on that? Right. I would say that 
No, it is not its job. Right. But if you're going to employ a device like body cams, you have a responsibility to the fact that this is an issue that is spoken about in I today. I think, I think the biggest problem with it is that it, it... It just shows how clueless this guy is. Yeah. yeah. And out of touch. Because all of these ideas are being introduced and, and can be framed in a very contemporary progressive story, but they're not utilized well, because that it's way. using buzzwords and, and very topical, relevant ideas. when Elastigirl devices. says something like... Basically, it reminded me of the phrase "Make America Great Again," and I don't remember what it was. Well, but Bob Odenkirk starts with the word "make" and it ends with the word "again." Yes, I was like, "How are you not cognizant?" Make supers legal again. Yes, Bob Odenkirk. I I don't know if that's what it is. No, that is it. He says, "How? How do you not know that?" But I think he is aware, and I think he thinks that is commenting on something. Here's your your commentary. It's so nebulous. It doesn't mean anything just because you make a phrase in a kid's movie that is mirroring what's happening doesn't Mm -hmm. make it commentary. Here's your imbalance on this topic is that Brad Bird is taking the Bob Odenkirk character whose parents died because of a rise in crime thanks to a change in legislation and he conflates the fact that his parents were killed in a crime with the fact that the laws look a little bit different in this country. And that by using the framing of like making supers legal again or whatever, like you are in a way validating to, because our audience is on the side of the superheroes. It's Mm -hmm. called Incredibles 2. It's called the Incredibles. These are our heroes. So if, if you're positioning like, do you sort of see what I'm getting at here? Because a lot, a lot of what make America great again means is getting back to a time. Like obviously a lot of people voted for Trump. By the way, we had a whole episode of Pod Save America here at the table before we actually got on talking about Incredibles 2. Like, we did. We, and specifically so we wouldn't talk about too much politics while we <laughs> yeah. were talking. I brought it up, too. I'm sorry. And I was I brought up the let's talk about it now so that we don't. Well, no, I want to at least mic. finish what I was saying since I'm going down that yeah, road. Yeah. But like a lot of people vote for Trump mm-hmm. because they view people who don't look like them. They associate them with uh, a uh, less less social Violence? security. Violence and crime, and somebody who is inferior to me getting the job or application of skills that I have better than they do, they are taking my my rightful position mm-hmm. as the powerful, privileged, entitled, and you know individual that I am, and to to frame that whole idea of like making supers legal again with. Well, hey, once the uh, over-regulating leftist government in this country who's trying to be politically correct, Mm -hmm. once they took the supers out of it and they changed the social social makeup of this uh, this country, then things really started getting bad. And it's like when Trump lies and talks about how Europe, specifically Germany, is seeing the largest amounts of crime they have ever seen as a society— Obviously, he's not including war crimes and crimes against humanity when he's talking about Germany, but he's also not taking the numbers into account that legal immigration in Germany and undocumented immigration in Germany, for that matter, just migration, letting refugees into your borders, has had no effect whatsoever. There there has been no unprecedented crime spike in Europe. This is a myth. This is a fucking myth, and it is peddled by the right, specifically the president of the United States, and... I don't think that this movie agrees with that sentiment. And the president of Russia. Yeah, let's. Well, no, no I did. I said the president of the United States. You're right. Um, but 
the leader of the world. This is what I'm saying, though, is that (laughs) I don't think that Brad Bird voted for Trump. I think that he is not examining the implications of his story in a relevant context. Yeah, everything about the politics of this movie are skewed just off. And it, it doesn't... He's a libertarian. It's very clearly. I mean, it's very clear that the man is a libertarian, and that's very frustrating as a fan of what he can do cinematically. Have you seen those action sequences? They're dazzling, and they are. I mean, they are. (laughs) They are. I mean, they literally are. I mean, let's talk about. I think the and I think that matters because you look at what Marvel and DC are doing right now. I know, Ben. I know that you love Batman versus Superman. I do, and I know that Brandon. Well. I like Black Panther too. I was, Brandon was loves Marvel. Deadpool. De- Brandon loves Deadpool. Dazzling action sequences. But here's the thing: there's a million problems with all. of I those. don't like Batman v Superman because of the action. The action is so bad in all of those films. So it does matter that Brad Bird is lending a. It is yeah. It is sophisticated. It Brad understands scene construction. Provides but it's, a, more than that. It's exciting. A scopophilic pleasure that I don't think any other director working today can provide, including Steven Spielberg. Yeah, his. Action is so it's, fluid and just, you're just easy to watch. Well, and like Spielberg, though, I think it's expertly manipulative. Uh-huh. He knows exactly how to provoke a response and a pleasure from an mm-hmm. audience by where he places his camera, what type of movement happens in the mm-hmm. shot, and how long we're there. Yep. He, he's a master. Yes. Yeah. And I just. And, and, and it, it, it extends to the whole movie, like mm-hmm. all of his films, but especially Incredibles and Incredibles 2, because they are, Incredibles 2 is nearly two hours long. The Incredibles is like an hour 45 or something. They feel like they're 15 minutes. Those mm-hmm. movies yeah. move yeah. in a way that you rarely see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the action set pieces are the opening one mm-hmm. and the closing one. I mean, they're both. And Incredibles 1 does something I hate, which is the like. I hate that we're calling it Incredibles 1. I mean, I know, I know we have to now, I guess. But ugh. in is that mine? I'm this sorry. This is not me. That was my work phone. I'm sorry. Oh ben, my god. Ben is by devicel I know. Wow. Um, he has two screens. There's the. Stop having so many screens, screen slaver. Oh, <laughs> you're right. The workout montage is normally something that I abhor. Is this like? It's amazing. Like specific plotting of time in a montage where you're like waiting to get to the point where he's fit again right. and happy. Like uh-huh. normally. I find that insufferable, but it's so delightful. You're like, no, stay in the montage. Yeah, I so love good. when he lifts those, yes, those train cars. And that's so the, the other thing about Brad Bird as a director is I find that he he rarely repeats himself in a film. Um, and what I mean by that is he his imagination is so expansive that that montage sequence, for instance. Who else would think of like lifting two train cars yeah. like on the chains, like mm-hmm. you're at Muscle Beach and right. Venice Beach? Yeah. And then also punctuate it with a, or, or, or actually punctuate the wrong word, but sort of start it off, uh, or maybe it is like the whole thing where he's stretching and his belly shows. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's just, it's, it's varied, it's funny, mm-hmm. it's clever. It is a joy to watch. Mm-hmm. He's a real entertainer, Brad Bird. Mm hmm. Was there a runaway train sequence in Incredibles 1? I don't think so. There is because something they, where Mr. Incredible runs in front of something and is trying to stop it and his right. feet are dragging into... Yeah, right? Yes, what, what, you're I, right. what I'm saying is he doesn't repeat himself within a film, generally. Right, right, and, right. And, and, and that's even too broad. I just mean... I know what you mean. Yeah, you, you don't know exactly where everything's going to go all right. the time. I'm not saying he's always unpredictable. He's very good but, at like finding... 
the detail you wouldn't think to make a big the deal details. out of. There you go. That's what yes. I'm trying to say. Yeah. He's all, he's very detail oriented, which is why his action sequences feel so like original and like, oh, I haven't seen this before, even though you, and you have. And right. it's specific or, um, you know, it's especially well fitted for children's movies because he has such a childlike imagination okay. when it comes to how he can creatively use a space or an object and then twist it around. Like, and the way he uses the very, powers. Yeah, that too. But like, it's very baby boomer-esque but that he does decide that like i'm going to reframe a math textbook the most boring of all things and and make an entire plot point out of it it's insufferable and it speaks to an old man shaking his fist at this guy saying things were better when we did it my way like the world was better when it was my way and things are changing and they we have to use new words all of a sudden Mm -hmm. and we have to show our work in a different way and again it's just like you chose the worst possible time to say, can we just do things like we used to? Yes, I agree. And I and that is where I think you do have a social responsibility, especially with a platform like this. Mm-hmm. You don't have to make your movie about what's happening right now. But if you right. are going to use specific ideas and mantras and themes that are very contemporary and super relevant, especially even in like the movie and in the entertainment industry, especially has been a real, you know, pinpoint for a lot of issues in this country, apart from the politics, but it just incredibly frustrating. I feel like he was just like, it's, it's enough for me to make a movie where Elastigirl is the hero and he's like didn't you see she's Evelyn the hero. is the villain right I think he just thought that's it that's he th- he had that idea where the uh, the hero and the villain are both women and he was like that's it I that's see the and, and, I've done it I was yes. I, I did it I've done <laughs> it was it. just like I've I'm, done it can I I'm finished I want to go back to the action for a minute. By the way, I don't know if it passes the Bechdel test because I only started paying attention to that oh. too late in when they were talking about Mr. Incredible when they had a moment to themselves and then I was like, I should have been paying attention. I anyway, believe they do. I doubt about they do. society at large. Well, I mean, it's the patriarchy, so right. does that count? I, it's a good question. I doubt it passed the Bechdel test or is that a joke? Does it definitely not? Oh, no, no, no. That, it's not a joke. I, I really, I'm I, sure we I truly mean it. I started paying attention way too late. It probably does it's not. It's a pretty easy I Google. love when they bond. I wish that they were lesbian lovers. Well, I wish that Violet well, and uh, Kristen Stewart superhero were lesbian lovers. Okay. It shows them we flirt. That's who it shows that them was. Oh, my God. But it's not Kristen Stewart. But it's the same. She she hangs her jaw in the same way. She has the same bone structure. There was like, who she does has she the same look sort of, like? Uh, there was like, a vulture piece. Uh, she's so piece. effusive with her passion. And so, you know, she's smart. But, like, she doesn't always, like, yeah. have the, you know, sort of I uh, haven't mm, read mm, it. answer to skip. I haven't read it. But there's a vulture piece that talks about that superhero being a ripoff being but it bums me i haven't out read it but but it, but it, she she has all the mannerisms and voice of kristen stewart but it's so i who I'm, we who, i'm sure they answer it in the piece if it's actually modeled after the kristen character stewart. is coded as queer yeah. and it's frustrating that they give her the moment with violet that violet has with tony at the end of the first film and the fact that violet has been having all these boy problems throughout the movie for a second you know it's not actually going to go there but you see them off to the side talking after they've saved the day and they're it's the most violet has ever no pun intended animated around another character Mm -hmm. and it's the first time that the kristen stewart superhero is actually able to have a conversation with somebody because she always gets like cut off or is too excited ergo unintelligible and it's the first time she's clearly speaking like it's frustrating that like that mirrors the moment with tony at the end of the first film and then she's still boy crazy Mm -hmm. again and then she has to go to that fucking diner 
the one that's literally the diner that's on Ventura in Encino. I've been there. Which, which, which one? Diner? I don't remember what it's called. Not to get too regional. Wait, movie. who goes to the diner? Violet. The in whole this family. Movie, they go to the diner. That, oh, yeah. That di- I did laugh out loud, though, when she snorted the water. And it's nose. literally... Okay, same. Okay, really funny bit. I <laughs> screamed. I laughed a lot at this movie. Paul Thomas Anderson Diner. Oh, oh, fuck. I wish that I wasn't saying I oh. know. Yeah, I wish I, know. I was giving words. Wait, I want to... Okay, I, want, I just want to bring up Girl's bike. Speaking of the way, like yeah. Brad Bird, it's like a Lego choreographs sequences. Mm-hmm. The fact that she separates the bike mm-hmm. to launch, launch herself, herself is so fucking good. Yes, it's that smart. whole sequence—it's smart, but more than anything else, it's fun. It's, it's fresh. So fun. It's, so it's so good. good. His action is like it's unmatched. Like if you gave everybody just a maze and a pen mm-hmm. to go through it, we're all going to be so careful. To stay between the lines, to not break the rules. If you give it to Brad Bird, he's going to be zigzagging across and be like, no, 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 I, I drew a bridge there. They yeah. had a turbocharge on their jetpack there. Like, he really explores space in a way that defies the rules that he's setting up in the scene with environment. Right. And it, and yet, it, 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 it flaw- the, the verisimilitude is flawless. Yeah. And I, it goes to show what control he has as a filmmaker mm-hmm. and what creativity he has in staging action sequences. Yeah. I want to look up this. And his, like piece. Ben was saying, and I tried to say, his engagement with the details of a scene. Yeah. He uses details to further action and further scenes rather than just say, look how cool this is. Yes. Or look how boring this math book is. It was a so IndieWire David Ehrlich piece. Of course it was. <laughs> what was? Um, the, the Kristen the, the Stewart. Kristen Stewart. The, 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 uh, yeah, Kristen nice. Stewart superhero my, piece. My, um, yes. Hmm. That's all I'm going to say on that. Um, hmm. hmm. But let's talk about. Can Very we talk good. about uh, how funny this movie is? I it's, mean, we we sort of. Wait, did. no, wait, hold on. We need to back up. Ben, what are we talking about this week? I said. <laughs> yeah, I didn't get a plot synopsis. Uh, yeah, you did. No, yeah, you didn't movie? get a plot synopsis. No, I didn't. What's this movie about? I left it with. We were at the sixth Brad Bird feature. Yes. And. Um, and then it's the we... movie. Uh, it's the sequel to <laughs> the, the Incredibles. Fourteen years later, which I saw on opening night with my girlfriend. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! I know. Uh, this movie where, kept you been, straight. I where been, were you what? in two thousand four? I would have been a sophomore in high school. What? A junior. What was I in two thousand four? It was fall. It was a fall movie. I was a freshman, so I would have been a junior. Yeah, and I was just getting my first locker at middle school. Jesus it, it was it was a time of discoveries and wow. new beginnings. I, I don't actually. I mean, I can't do the math. I'm joking. But I so this movie is so about. I can't do the math because it's new. <laughs> it, it picks up directly after the end of the last Incredibles. Thank God I rewatched Incredibles because Mole Man. I would have been like, there's a Mole the, Man. Who the miner? Who the fuck? <laughs> and they're in the parking lot after the track meet. Yes. And Tony looks completely different. There is as there's American Carnage is way they way laced. Oh god. Way laced. <laughs> lay waste to whatever town they are purported to live in. In, in institutions like the bank. They the they, bank. <laughs> the they bank. say the name of the city. It's like Urbanville. <laughs> it's like it's like City Town. Megalopolis. <laughs> that I think is Closer. No, it's, it's literally something like that. Might be the New York 
One, oh, I, I don't know. I didn't catch the names. Uh, I didn't catch the names. Metroville. <laughs> Metroville. <laughs> Metroville. <laughs> um, it's like it's so weird that like when you get your your subway card, it's like getting your Chicago card or yeah. your Paris card. <laughs> yeah, right. My Metro card. My Metro, Metro card for thing. Metroville. Mm. So then they. Uh, it's not a big deal. I don't know why need to be disgusted about it. I'm like got another thing about this movie, it doesn't, doesn't feel very contemporary to call your town Metroville. All I'm saying, all I'm saying is, I think you have a social responsibility to be a little more creative than that. As as, as now more than ever, as much now more than ever as we're doing. Like my time in the theater was v lit. Same. My not for me. My uh, my 28 year olds in the audience who saw Incredibles one when they were 14, they were lit out of their fucking minds. Yeah, this, that, that, yeah the totally. people were cheering, what I like cheering, about Toy Story three applauding. though is that gap feels more ex- has more consequence to character and to personal growth and what happens when you get older. Yeah, this just felt like a f- stupid sequel. Yes. It's not like something uh, that was uh, built up yeah. for 14 years of anticipation. Correct. Finding Dory felt more revolutionary. And I will uh, die on that hill. No, I know. I, I, I agree with you that Finding Dory felt more revolutionary and that it defies the laws of physics, Brandon, in a way that Finding Nemo explicitly set up. It breaks its own rules. So, yeah. An octopus driving a truck is very reasonable. I'm oh, less. Con- no. By the way, Ed O'Neill. <laughs> is that really what happens in Finding Dory? A octopus. As I, here's what it drives is. As a I truck. said in the group Wait. chat, I can't think of anything so, worse. Think about think anything about more the, harrowing think about than the, watching that movie. Think about the end of Toy Story 1 when all the toys are trying to break into the moving van in order to break out Woody. Now imagine instead of animate like reanimated sentient toys, they are fish. <laughs> Doing the same thing, high speed road uh-huh. chase, breaking into a car, mm. and every and, and it's mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. they jumped a window and oh thank God, someone left the melted ice from their soda. So uh. they can just jump into the cup with the melted There's, ice. There was a lot of water in that semi. Like, you're gonna need you're gonna need to introduce me to all these truckers who have fish bowls that are not empty because there's water in them, but have no fish in them. Mm. That's Sid Shotgun. I'm going to have to find those truckers for me (laughs) before I can believe the verisimilitude (laughs) of finding Dory. They drive the truck off a bridge. Fish drive trucks. Wow. (laughs) What a film. But Ed O'Neill's octopus is, for my money, one of the top, let's say, seven voice performances in the Pixar canon. As the crotchety... Um, uh, agoraphobic octopus. Yeah, Ed O'Neill is very good. Sigourney Weaver is also very good. Oh, I forgot. She- oh, right, as Sigourney Weaver, she voices the intercom voice the, of the aquarium. the aquarium. She says, "This is Sigourney Weaver, and welcome." Sigourney Weaver is queen of the intercom. And don't the the Pixar the, the fish the fish hear her voice and they're like, "It's God." <laughs> When in all the gays in the audience are like, uh huh. <laughs> anyway, God or mother. <laughs> anyway, what else is Incredibles two about? Oh, you were mid plot. Glad you asked. Objectivism. It's about uh, it's Metroville. About, it's about political correctness. Um, they are summoned by capitalists <laughs> to <laughs> to innovate <laughs> to. Continue fighting crime with body cams to show that superheroes are good, and then 
they can Oof. lobby the government to change the just laws. Just slamming my head on my microphone. And they decide. You're Tony Colletting your I'm forehead Tony Colletting my into forehead. the microphone. They do a cost-benefit analysis <laughs> and discover Elastigirl has the least amount of carnage. <laughs> so she's going to be the face of this movement. you got to do big stuff when the job is big. <laughs> it's just like Mr. Incredible... We're supposed to laugh at him because he's sort of a goofy dad in the first one, but we're not really meant to think, like, we're supposed to think maybe, like, oh, he's not, he's not taking his family life as seriously as he should. He's not as committed to his marriage as he should Mm -hmm. because he's taking these secret missions on on the Jason Lee robot island Mm -hmm. and isn't for a second examining what what this might mean to his wife in terms of a betrayal and that it is basically an infidelity and putting Mm -hmm. his needs above hers. But in this film, when he basically is saying to his wife, I'm better than you. Right. I do like that the movie is getting at a theme of jealousy throughout, Mm -hmm. which I think is, I don't think you see a lot of jealousy. It's never resolved, though, in any way. Agreed. It is just dropped. No, and that's my problem with it. But also that we're meant to believe that Mr. Incredible has a point about something. Mm -hmm. And that when he says shit like, you need a big man for a big job, that is the type of libertarian logic where that like ignores all of the like all that red tape that's so frustrating yeah. to cut through. It's not red tape, it's the red meat of the issue a lot of the times. Not that we shouldn't close loopholes and you know, it should be easier to get a loan. All you know, some red tape mm-hmm. sucks, but like it is that type of simplicity that allows Republicans anyway, and, and libertarians for that matter, to say, I believe in common sense reform. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm big. I should be big for a big job. And of course, right. he's wrong in the scene. But you know there's a lot of people in the audience who are nodding their heads along to it. Yeah, and this is another place where Mr. the movie Incredible. does have a social responsibility not to reinforce the patriarchy. Right. Endor- depiction is not endorsement, but I'm sorry, Mr. Incredible is not your villain of the movie. And I know that it, right. both films have a nuanced approach to marriage, and I appreciate them for that. But... When, when, when his wife is, descri- he's a bad husband. Right. When, when she is describing him over the phone, like saving the day, and he's just like, he's mad at her he's about it. He's seething with rage. And it feels honest, but like Ben yeah. says, it's unresolved. So there's never actually any growth there. Correct. Like he doesn't learn from Elastigirl like, oh, you're right. You were the right person to do this job. Right. You are, you know, better than me. And, and whatever, whatever. We never have that scene. And, and you know, I think about uh, Jerry Seinfeld I don't know if this is, I don't know if from the lore, if this is when he's pitching the show to NBC or whatever, but he talks about like no hugging and like nobody learns their lesson. Right. And that's why I'm total. And like, think about there'll be blood. Like mm-hmm. I'm fine with characters not growing or not resolving their issues. Of course I'm fine with that. This, but this movie, both of them end with like the family finally working together. Da, 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 yeah. da, 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 da. And it's just like, it's the same ending uh, as the first one. It's like in the first Incredibles, there is the scene when, the last girl gets to the island and she is like, you fucking bastard. Yes. Yeah. Where is that scene in this movie? Right. Yeah. That's what I need. Well, no, but yeah. Brennan or Ben. Wow. That's oh. never happened before. Wow. Really? Like ben, my mom calling me Jack. <laughs> ben, oh. she's the lead of the film though. So how can, how, how do how will we even need this scene? You're right. We've given her the concession. Yeah. Right. She gives the concession prize the of token. being the, the quote unquote she already lead. had three action scenes. Yeah. You're so right. does she really need to castigate her husband for sucking? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's our movie, so yeah. I think she's doing just fine. Yeah, like Mr. Incredible in this, the fact that he gets a whole pity party for like the whole second act he has made to raise me so the kids for like three annoyed. nights. Yeah, for like <laughs> three nights. Edna Mode takes the baby, <laughs> and, I, and he's I, like, "You do it." 
lady with glasses. But She's like, like, okay. You know, but the movie... When Edna has such an easy time with Jack-Jack, it's not just because she's so creatively motivated. It's also because she's like, well, I was just intuitive, and I realized that he liked the Mozart, so... Right. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I parented. She's like, she's like, I got eight hours last night. Yes. So, th- so it's not like... It's not like the film thinks that Mr. Incredible is being given an impossible task. Mm. Like, by pointing out how easily Edna can do it... I don't think it's as much about gender roles as it is to you, because I don't think Bradbury is thinking about that right. in this case. As much as it is to say, like, Mr. Incredible is throwing himself a pity party, but it's just frustrating that it sometimes feels like the film is I think it's just yeah, like it's participating framed a little, at that party. Yeah, it's framed a little. I keep thinking about Kevin James. <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh, my uh, God. That's so accurate. And, like, these movies and his shows, and it's just like, Yes, it's a he's a buffoonish character, but he is to be identified Celebrated. with. And you're like, I see myself in schlubby, incompetent man. I see myself <laughs> in Paul Blart Mall Cop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in, I want to say the zookeeper's wife, but I know that's not what it is. What's no, the zoo it's, movie? It's literally the zookeeper. Drop that's oh. wife. Oh. The zookeeper. He's Drop probably married to Scarlett Johansson, star of We Bought a Zoo in uh. that film. Are we ready? Oh, I want to say two weird things, and I say one if more I may. Um, why did uh, Jack? No. Um, why did uh, Why did Dash get biceps in? I was wondering that hours, too. I was wondering that too. Why did Frozone get abs? So those are my two. Dash thoughts. is not an insufferable character in the first film, but he is an insufferable character in the second film. I think truly. he's pretty insufferable in the first. Do you? Well, I think that they supercharged his quote unquote personality in the second film, and then asked you as an audience to believe that like that's his thing. I yeah. think some and of the like, most most interesting growth are Dash and Violet. But again, definitely Violet. To your point, though, this is growth that takes place in a day. And now, but I, Violet's growth is realizing that maybe she should just take care of the baby. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's how. God. That's how her Uh-oh. arc. Ends. And I thought it was going to be maybe I should stop dating boys. Yeah. And then and wasn't that and try something new with the I, Kirsten Stewart. Mm. Void. What's her name? Void. Void. Void with a Y. No. Brad Bird Void. is into withholding. Y'all tax don't play dollars video games. And withholding love between two willing women. Women. There's a video. Other one is a girl. Portal. And her superpower reminds me of. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Are you Re- gaming? I'm gaming right now. Where are my gamers? <laughs> Did Void's character remind you of the video game Portal? Hit us in that the comments before. below. <laughs> Comment with five stars in the <laughs> iTunes store. I've heard that critique that it's literally the game portals. Oh, it's not a um, critique. I just think it's I'm it's just, what her power you is. Know, portals didn't invent portals, I'm sure. Uh, it's portal singular. Thank oh, you. Portal didn't inv- <laughs> just, you know, like, um, I don't know. What's an example? Wild Wild West didn't invent the Wild Wild West. Wow. You know, it's but a milieu they, but that's did they, deep cut. <laughs> but did it invent those spinning blades that... Magnetized to the collars that sever your head. Oh my god! Is that from Portal? I don't no, it's from Wild Wild movie. West. Oh well, now I'm now I'm collapsing under the weight I've of my own that. reference. Why do I remember details about Wild I just, Wild West? Weren't there West? big spiders in Wild yes, Wild West? Yes. That's what I remember. Oh no, mechanical spiders. Correct. Correct. Mm. Like the Matrix. Wait, so, what were we saying? Oh, Dash has yeah. Biceps that's one thing, and, and then your second thing is 
Frozen has abs. Okay, so I have through his suit. <laughs> Here's the thing: I think that everyone, certainly everyone at the table and everyone at the podcast, has had, or everybody at the table and everyone who listens to the podcast. I know that we all had one big question weighing on our mind, and we've sort of been dying with anticipation for Brandon to weigh in on it because we know that Brandon is <laughs> what? a purveyor of Disney-owned properties mm. and mm. is a real sommelier mm. for that type of corporate mm. content. I love corporate so content. So I guess the question is, Brandon, were you sexually attracted to this raccoon? <laughs> oh, yes. It's the question. What Good I, question. Now that we've resolved the horse's question, we need to move on to the raccoon question. What, what I, raccoon's IMO. Mm. What I enjoy about this raccoon... <laughs> Is is Ah. that he's on the poster? (laughs) Why is he on the poster of this movie? It's a major moment because the movie Jack Jack is a baby. The only thing (laughs) that this movie loves—I don't want to say more because I would—I think this movie really cares a lot about its characters. The the only thing so this movie cares number one about the character Jack Jack and number two about how much the audience is gonna fucking love Jack Jack. I mean, they know, and that raccoon scene, which is a lot of fun and it inventive, is a lot of fun. and I and it goes it's on honestly so, it one goes of my on favorite so scenes of the year. No, of the ever, movie. oh, <laughs> ever in the history of cinema, it, it goes on longer than it should, but you don't notice it. Again, this is what Brad Bird That's is so, so that talented scene at. Is the reason I'm gonna give you a two-hour two movie, and you're gonna like, you're gonna be. It feels like it's 15 minutes. I'm not going to belabor that. Um, I love Jack-Jack yes. in this movie. I did too. No, I mean, I mean they, they know they can put money in the bank by featuring Jack-Jack. He already had Jack-Jack attack spin-off. Yeah. Right. From the I first do, And now I he's do. got a poopy diaper. How funny is that? <laughs> I do have an issue. Fills the diaper. <laughs> It's a good scene. This is real superpower. I have uh, an and issue. It's just the sound it makes. <laughs> See, honestly, I had a moment. And it's like a boom. I don't think it's, it's like the opening sound of it's, Zama. It's sort of a boom. <laughs> Sama, but poop. <laughs> oh, I love a good Zama reference in regards to to poop. In, in regards <laughs> to poopy part. diapers. The, so the thing. The so thing wait, about, what were you saying? What don't you like? Oh, about that, the uh, No, that Jack Jack just has whatever power suits the scene. It's a little convenient. <laughs> I know. It's and they convenient. finally number it by the end. Mr. Incredible's he like seven, seven powers. So 17. far. No, 17. 17 so like, far. And they just like pulled the number out of their ass because they were like, okay, uh, they pulled it out how, many have we, how yeah. many have we shown yet? Oh, I don't know. Which is like he goes through the wall. He can go into different dimensions. <laughs> I just think that. He grows to. Uh, he becomes busters. It, it, it becomes honey. I blew he, up the kid. All he of a multiplies. Sudden. He multiplies. He bursts into flame and, and, and turns into the demon. the demon. Jesus Christ! I'm exhausted already. Imagine. But I like all that stuff. Even I like his lavender cotton candy that I puts love, him out. I love that it's a. It's like a metaphor for isn't raising a baby hard? They can do all of these things. <laughs> They suddenly are in the other room. They're so unpredictable. You, you don't know where they are. You know they're who, they're you know, eating a cookie. You know what, who, who would have mastered that task and not asked any follow-up questions? Jean Dealman, honey. Dealman. But the thing that frustrates me about the Jack-Jack, the, like the, the, the transparent grab for affection with Jack-Jack, is just like the amount of punchlines that are just him being like, ah! Like, yes. I'm sorry. It just... 
Brad Bird has been so much smarter before, yeah. and he's also been very dumb before, and that's yeah. part of what's great about Brad Bird is he has a sophisticated sense of scene construction, and yet when you break it down, it's just like giving you a dopamine rush. Yeah. You know, it, it, you it's know highbrow it, and lowbrow simultaneously, and yeah. that's where because you like, know any gag is in the middle with Jack Jack will hit. Yeah. Ah! Correct. Yeah. And my audience laughed most at the poopy diaper. Yep. And anytime a scene is punctuated with Jack Jack squeaking, my, and yeah, it's fine. It's cute, but it's like, is this really the current? I'm so sorry. These are the words coming out of my mouth, but is this really the current state of the cinema? Mm. Like, this is well, the minions effect. This is the Minions yeah. effect. Yeah, I mean... It, it, I was at a party on on Friday night. about the New Yorker magazine. It's not what they call the review section. That Are you kidding? The Minions effect? No. Oh. The current cinema. Oh, probably. It's not, that I was mean, a great e- joke. Everything in the New... Oh, no, that's good. It's a good joke because everything in the New Yorker is like, the state of politics. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, it felt a little DreamWorks-y to me because DreamWorks capitalizes on the cute, a bouncing... Bouncing animal or bouncing baby, yeah. something. bouncing baby it's, boy. It's very DreamWorks, and Pixar has fallen occasionally re- of recent years into a little bit of DreamWorks yes. sequel. Give the cute stuff mentality. Even I don't. I'm, I love Up, but my big problem with Up is that you got two. You got two characters mm-hmm. that do the DreamWorks cute. Yeah, Kevin yeah. and the dog, and the yeah. dog, and they're just like doing cute things. My problem with. Uh, up and I have more to say about the Incredibles and I don't yeah, want to get too let's off track back. here. But yeah. what frustrates me what frustrates me about Up is that it squanders the potential, let alone the beautiful, heartbreaking, and mm. brilliant somehow at the same time five minute opener with the with Carl and his wife living a life together and dying. It's incredible visual storytelling. The first highly half manipulative hour is just the first half hour is yeah. a masterpiece. But here's the problem: it from the get go, it 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 talks about the unknowable exciting adventure that's awaiting you in yeah. the jungle by the waterfalls mm-hmm. and you can't even predict the dangers that lie ahead and then by the time they get there in an amazing like studio ghibli-esque fashion like the house is loaded with a hundred million balloons and yeah. then it takes them there like it's i'm like yeah my my uh, b- uh my belief or my disbelief is suspended yeah. and floating midair. Yeah. I'm great. Like I'm following this. And then house. once we get to the jungle, it completely squanders. And then any it's potential talking adventure. dogs. Just walking through talking which, dogs with the the one has a funny voice. Yes. Yeah. The funny and, and funny way, voice. It is funny. It, it is. It's funny. It's a cute movie. But what the fuck? Like, I think it's dumb. I th- I think that it's dumb that you take this fantastical setting and this vivid color palette that you've been setting up from the beginning and wasting it completely by all of a sudden this turns into to like Rosencrantz and Guildenstern if they were walking through a jungle. You know, mm-hmm. like nothing happens. Yeah. And then it's that one... I was saying to front of the podcast, host of the podcast Blind Spots, Jorge Molina on Saturday night, that I haven't seen the film yet, but I will bet money that Catherine Keener is your villain because I haven't seen like much promo or trailers, but I know that she and Bob Odenkirk play people who basically buy the Incredibles, Mr. Right. Incredible and Elastigirl, to work for them. And the Pixar thing is we take someone who is presented as an authority figure, as a mm-hmm. hero, and then we mm-hmm. twist them into the villain. Yeah. And this is true in films that I love that Pixar does, uh, although my top two films don't do that. Um, That's right. They don't yeah. do it. All of I our mean, top except two for Otto, films, I guess, in and Wally, orders. Otto does it, I guess. But the, the right. top two, there, there are anyway, villains. And up, Christopher Plummer no. ends up being, you know, the, the bad guy. Right. But... Um, Looping back to The Incredibles. Yeah, we were talking about Jack-Jack. I want to say something else on that subject. So specifically, what part of the raccoon 
was most doing it for you. <laughs> when he just morphed into Rocket Raccoon. Mm. In my dream. I can't wait for Rocket Raccoon's A Star is Born, mm. by the way. <laughs> Direct- you know what I'm ready From to director, about? Rocket Raccoon. Exactly. Oh, God. Exactly. That should happen. That's what it should be. I want Rocket Raccoon to get a spinoff movie. I mean, you've, you're the only one at the table who's seen Avengers Infinity War. Does he live? Is he in the film? Yeah, he has a pretty big arc with... Uh, Doesn't he, he die? Him and Thor hang out the oh, whole and, movie. And, and I bet they crack wise. I thought he oh, dies. Boy. Doesn't he? Nobody died in Avengers Infinity War. They're all coming back in <laughs> well, Infinity, yeah, but... Infinity Fart 2. Right. You know, Bing I mean, Bong, he might have maybe he pixelated he away he again. Having did. not seen Avengers, Infinity actually, I think, War, he, I think, but having did. living on the internet, there, I think it was on the film comment podcast. There was an interesting conversation. I think it was on the film comment podcast, but just about how films sort of transmogrify into memes, for lack of a better word, and how you can have culturally experienced an object without right. actually. Did you listen to this? Maybe it wasn't familiar. That's, that's extremely true. But I was thinking about. And so the the example used, and I don't know what podcast it was, I guess, but they were talking about the disintegrating effect in Avengers Infinity War mm. when the characters die, but they don't actually die. And I was thinking about that. Oh, is that where that comes from? Yeah. That meme comes but, from Infinity but War? But you know the meme. Like, I, I would the say the pixelating. That, yeah. And, and I, yeah. By the way, I think most people it's when know. It's the meme. It's yeah. how all the no, but I, I heroes didn't know that die the at the end. They all until this moment. A lot of people, myself included, know the meme, but also know that that's what it's from. Right. Um, without having seen the object. Right, because they talk about, it, it was film common because they talk about like the Orientalist music and like we don't know where that comes from yeah. anymore. But and we, I was thinking about that during Bao, but I know it was directed by um, uh, an, uh, an, Bao an artist so of Asian descent. So strange and like incorrectly Yeah, made. it's totally <laughs> fucked up. I mean, it's very, I... it's very Greek in that the parent eats their child. <laughs> I did not. It doesn't like work bow? narratively. Wait, just let me say real well, quick. That's a different conversation. When yeah. Bing Bong disintegrates an inside out, that my mind went there. Is that we I all that build up? Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I was expecting mm. to love Bao, and then Bao happened to me, and I was like, I did not <laughs> love Bao. It's, that, that's the thing about Bao. It Bao happens. To it's you. genuinely confusing when the actual human person. Oh, I got it. Pretty. Comes did in. she? I mean, can yes, you explain but you it have to, me? to. Like, did she dream? Is that a metaphor? She misses it's her a son. Metaphor that she misses her son. That's but why. Like, that's why the. That's why the dumplings' wife. But like, I don't is, think the dumplings' that's fiance in the movie. is the son's wife. I don't think it's so. Clear it's not, in the movie. and we're meant to fill in, you know, fill in between the the uh, fact that she she so badly didn't in her mind didn't want to let him go that what she in her mind is a beat at the beginning that the that they have a son that I has agree. left for college or life or whatever. Just a picture on the wall. Yes. I guess it's meant to be clear because his head looks like the well, yeah, no, the but dumpling. it is, but it's reverse engineered in a way that is unsatisfying. Yeah, I agree. God, I was hoping we weren't going to talk about this on the podcast, but I guess about I brought it up. Yeah, I was like, God, I don't want to talk about this one. I mean, that's it. That's all we have to say. I like Jerry's game. That's my favorite uh, Pixar short. I think because it's is that, is that the, chess? It's the chess player. That's the one. That, I remember seeing I mean, that that's, in theaters. That's multiple the times. one that sat I in front of Toy Story, wasn't was it? it? No, I, I think it was, it was a Bugs, Bugs Life because I don't think they had one with Toy Story. I that's think right. it was a Bugs that, Life because they were doing came, shorts. That then. came later. You're right, yeah. Addy. I think you're right. I think it's Bugs Life. I mean, I think. And it's just so magical. It's weird, because Bugs Life is the one Pixar that, like, Love I Bugs know Life. if I revisited it, I would really enjoy it, but I have no it's desire to. It's honestly brilliant. It's so great. And it's I, a brilliant If movie. I had had a chance to rewatch it before this podcast, I know, and we'll get to this at the end, but it would have jumped up in my rankings. Same. Highly. And mine is, like, I, I it's bet. at, like, 11 for me. It's it, not it, even low, Once you get out of, like, the undisputed masterpieces... Mm-hmm. 
that's where it comes in for me, which was a yeah. bit of a cheat because it was like I can't say for sure. It's been years. I would love to rewatch it, and I'm I think that one that that's one that's like that would be a good sequel. I don't yeah. need one though. I don't need any more of these fucking I know. sequels. No, 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 no. I think Pixar should be done with sequels, and I, I actually the do. The Pixar sequels are like the thing that I don't buy into anymore. I, I do want to have a conversation about the, wait the Pixar sequels. Someday I may have like a Finding, Finding Dory, Dory Monsters the U. best Pixar sequel outside of Toy Story. That no, Monsters awesome. University. You're re- you're being inflammatory on no. purpose. If you really think about it. It is. It's fact. It's fact. I think. I think that. I think that <laughs> okay, you're. I think I, that you're on the train of thought right now and getting your facts okay, and opinions not, mixed up. No, it's not fact. That's that's. By incorrect. the way, that joke but really the, hits home in the era of yeah, right? lies and fake no, news. No, totally. Ah, they, they look the same. Just mix, mix we do them it up. all the time. No, no, no. But some people will. It, there is an argument that yes, you could say Monsters University is the superior sequel, and I would. To but if you think about it, it's one of those. Because what else do you have? Incredibles no. 2, which is not that good, and then Cars 2 and well, 3. Well, you, you have um, Lights, well, the Lights Camera Jackson. My Lights favorite. Camera Jackson. But has, you haven't seen Dory. No. But it's not going to. Nor Monsters You. Lights Camera Jackson oh, well, thinks that the Cars so franchise the is the best thing. You've seen. <laughs> I've only seen the Cars sequels and the Toy Story sequels. Oh, man. Well, but the only good thing... So that, the top of the echelon and the bottom The only the good thing that the car sequels gave us is Cars Land at Disneyland, which is a it's very delightful. impressive feat. A delightful ride. Yeah. And just as a feat of and world there's a building. diner there. Flo's Diner. Mm-hmm. You can have a nice meal. With I like your, the red coat. With your nephew lodge. as he calls his brother a fucking idiot. <laughs> oh, my God. The highlight of my weekend... B.B. Grant. ...was a text from my mom. Were I they believe, at Disneyland again? No. But my parents went and visited and... Grant said to Martin, "You're a fucking idiot." You know that means that means that anger has finally unlocked the entire switchboard of curses. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Grant <laughs> has been angry for a long time. I will never forget Thanksgiving last 2017. Vicky wouldn't let Grant take his Kindle to bed. He has like a Kindle Fire that he plays with, mm-hmm. and what he did was. He went into Vicky's purse. He <gasps> took her iPhone and was like, then you can't have your this. <gasps> oh, and my God. You can't have your this. He was <laughs> grandma. Oh, he my was, God. He, was, <laughs> he doesn't stand for injustice. He's a, he's a baby Damon. He's a Leo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking if there's my little Leo. Incredibles 2 related that we can wrap up before moving on to. Um, I'm ready to move on. You know what I have, uh, what I'm very excited to do right now? Sleep. No. Refill your vodka water. No, no, it's gin. (laughs) It's gin. It is water. It is a gin water because I ran out of mixer though. But I want us each, I want us to have a knockdown, drag out fight about Toy Story. We can only support our favorite. You have to talk shit about the other two. Yeah, this is is the last (laughs) thing I wanted. Let's do it because I want to hear you defend Toy Story 2. The masterpiece, Toy Story 2? They're all masterpieces. Yes. Actually, they're yes. all five star films. No, no. When somebody loved me. Yeah. Okay. One good montage. Have you seen Up? Bit. <laughs> okay. Here's the thing about Toy Story three. <laughs> Toy Story two. Ben has said gloves off. Ten star- no, no, no. I think. Did you- I thought you meant that we would have this on a separate episode? Did you mean right now? Yeah, yeah, right now. Uh, right now, bitch. God, Here's, okay, fasten your seatbelt. You're on Cars <laughs> land. So 
Vavoom, kapow, kachow. For an <laughs> oh, no. one hour and 15 minutes, Toy Story 3 is the same movie as Toy Story 2. It is only different in the last half an hour. Okay, I will. I, I will agree that, that I, rewatching the context is different. I will agree that rewatching Toy Story two, the concept is the same. It's a breakout movie. You get a. They're about you get things. a scene. No, I agree with that too. You get the when somebody loved me scene. You have the scene where you see the bear. Lotso hugging bear. Lotso, you see his past, and it's about. Obs- I mean, all three are about obsolescence. But three is re- three is the only one where they're all being hurtling into a I flaming s- void. I said it's only different in the last half an hour. I think I think Toy Story three is more powerful. Daniel, you just said this. I think Toy Story three is more powerful in its context. I like a sequel that launches into the future to reframe what it's about. I mean, this similar is, themes, but new context. Think about what the Godfather trilogy is really about, apart from family, which is how times shape America and shape families and shape people. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the conflicts, although from part three, part two, and part one are all similar conflicts of the soul, of family, of faith. What's different is why our characters have been pushed to the extremes and these decision points that they're at. And the thing about Toy Story 2 versus Toy Story 3 is that it is an accident in Toy Story 2 that he becomes separated from Andy. Sure. And there is no separation between the toys and Andy and Toy Story 2 before, while well, they're still in the house in the same way that it is in Toy Story 3. I think that we repeat... That's very fair. We repeat events through our lives all the time, but depending on what the context is, they mean strikingly different things. And I think that the smartest thing about Toy Story 3 is that the scenarios do seem very familiar. But when you're when you're talking about obsolescence, when you're talking about like the post-post-post breakup and yet how that relationship can still really feed your inner narrative and your own identity, it's, I don't know. I mean, I, I also, I have the bias of being, I, I hate this. I hate that I'm one of these people, but like, the first Toy Story came out when I was Andy's age, and then Toy Story three came out right, like the right, year right, after right. I went to college. So Wait, it's like, so I, we were all in college when this movie came out. No, no, no. But I was between my freshman and sophomore year. Like I was. I don't think that makes it more special for you. I'm not saying it makes it more <laughs> is, special is, for me. Is Toy Story three number one for you? Uh, yeah. Yes, it was. And yes. two is oh, so I'm supposed to be defending you're, Toy Story one. You're only here to defend Toy Story one. But hold on a second. Okay, great. I, 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 Based I, on the rules you that I laid out, not am I, drag I'm ready out. to defend. I'm not saying that this means I have a more special connection to it. I'm you, saying that no. I'm biased. Right. I'm not saying I'm special. But defend two. I don't have drag, the word special the written others. in sharpie on my boot. I mean, the, on my boot. I belong to special. <laughs> Two is the first movie that deals with, so like one deals with Woody feels like he has become obsolescent because of another toy. Yes. Mm-hmm. Part two introduces that all toys will become obsolescent yes. for this boy at mm-hmm. some point. Mm-hmm. And I just don't need a third like a restructuring of that because I think two captures it so well that what's different is that two. I'm not saying that it's not different. No, no, I I just don't need. No, but, but I, but I, I would say that in order, if you want to look at it as a trilogy of 
existentialism yes. <laughs> along the idea of obsolescence of being pushed out by something better like the you versus the guy she told you not to worry about mm-hmm. like which is very much the tension of the toy story films is yeah. the fear of being replaced yeah toy story 3 ends up saying this is a false narrative because you can eventually cont- it, it, it is one it tells you that that entire that entire uh, narrative is inherently selfish in a way that is to both be appreciated because when you're hurt, you should look inside and you're allowed to be selfish and figure it out. But it's also not hopeless. And that, sure, Jesse comes home to Andy at the end of two. Mm-hmm. But at the end of three, they all go to this new girl. And there's this idea that they're going to continue getting past No, them. I mean, that scene is the most beautiful But it, it gives you hope in a way that the other two don't on that topic. And obviously, Toy Story and Toy Story 2 are not hopeless films by any stretch. But Toy Story 3 takes you to the brink no. of destruction. I think that's right. And then yeah. pulls you back and says, there are brighter days ahead. And you know, now more than ever, <laughs> that's Ugh. the kind of message I want to hear. I do hate the deus ex I do too. I do too. I hate it. I do too. I hate that's how they get out of the incinerator. I do too. But I don't care. Oh, it's cheap. Toy Story 3 but is a Titanic. They gotta get out Toy somehow. Story 3 is a Titanic movie for me. And it's also... In the same way that we look at a movie like The Post and we're like, how breathtaking was it to be manipulated Mm -hmm. in the way that we were? Because manipulation can be a very good thing in the movies. And well, the thing, like all cinema is manipulation. Right. When you call something manipulative as a negative, it means that you can see the gears of it. Mm -hmm. That's what people are trying to say, I think. In Toy Story 3, I think that the genre mashing and the aggressive tucking of the heartstrings is manipulation at its finest. And the deus ex machina, that is a place where you might see those gears a little bit more, but I don't know. I mean, I would, I would have loved something a little bit more natural, but everything else in the movie just sings for me in a way that, uh, I don't care, which is why it's a Titanic movie for me. That moment infuriates me and most of the daycare stuff. I'm like, I don't care about this. I love the daycare stuff. I think the daycare stuff works as like a great escape type of fun I mean it's plot. very fun but I just I'm like can we get to the point but it's, that's how I feel watching up so I yeah. feel that tension there mm-hmm. I feel that fresh but I feel that like like but, itch to fast forward a little yes. bit but, but, but the point is that the toys are being repatriated into this mm-hmm. new society and they're all sort of slowly finding their own function in that place and we are learning more about the society as it goes we know there's this sort of secret society of elites that hang out in lots of hung and bears air duct or whatever and that it might have some sort of dark side and, yeah. and, and we are finding out that you know barbie and ken have that thing going on like it is exploring the space and that's where the story keeps pushing forward mm-hmm. and i can understand how that could be frustrating because you don't like uh is it you don't like richard linkletter movies or you don't like hangout movies I don't like hangout movies. Because I don't think it's a hangout movie, but I... I actually had this thought while rewatching it today that it is Well, a the way you're describing it is is like that. It feels like a hangout movie to me. For me, we're just constantly shifting our power dynamics, and more importantly, as a genre mashup, I think it's one of the greatest examples of how you can put two disparate things together into a way that becomes thrilling in their supposed um, contradictions. And even while they're hanging out, it's changing between like a prison escape movie, like a gangster movie, like a love story. It does shift. So when we're hopping between those different formats, that is where my jimmies get rustled. Mm -hmm. Mm. Even though we're just sort of in only in the daycare center. I would like to say for our listeners that 
I haven't really defended Toy Story 2 as much as I've shit on Toy Story 3. I just want Well, you s- did just... The only reason that you said that, that you, that you said, if I may guess, why you brought up, let's have a fight about this, was because you wanted to shit on Toy Story. Well, yes, because I have notes. But I just want to say it is the difference between a four and a half and a five, not mm. the difference between I like, that. like a three and a five. Oh, well, I right, appreciate of that. Course. These no, I thought you were going to break into the finer points of what makes a four and a half film versus a five. No, I just no, want to no. say. I mean, they're all, they're all like slivers away ha- from each other. the last half hour is so good, it is a four and a half for me, but I just have notes about the first hour. What I will say is... There's one more the, element after you, Brandon. The, um... The power of three mm-hmm. is diminished a little bit just knowing Toy Story 4 exists. Well, I think we, that's accurate, too. Because... Sure. And we all said... I don't know. We I all don't, said that I don't know if when this to- is... Before Toy Story 3 came out. And, and Pixar doesn't have the track record anymore, so Toy Story 4 could be yeah. a disaster. And the fact I that Will Cormack... And, Bo- and that Rashida Jones got shoved off of Toy Story 4 because yeah, a I very don't feel good about, Kathleen Kennedy-esque move. I don't, I don't feel good about Toy Story 4. They just brought on a new writer. Like, I don't know what's going on with Toy Story 4. It makes right. me very nervous. But the finality of Toy Story 3, they... they track up it is a perfect beautiful ending to to the clouds Mm -hmm. which then turn into andy's wallpaper which i haven't rewatched toy story but i think the opening shot is is his wallpaper that's right it It was meant to be a full circle trilogy and now Mm -hmm. four ruins that none of us have anything bad about to say about toy story one well the only reason it's number one for me is because it's because it's one of the greatest movies ever it's made. It's the classic. It's right. the original. It's, mm-hmm. It is what it is. That. And, and there's is, no... I feel that. I was going to use that to undercut... It's one of my most watched movies of all time. Oh, easily. It's it's so... It's just perfect. And it's one of the greatest movies I was going to use your justification for this, which is totally valid, to undercut what Ben was saying about Toy Story 2, about how Toy Story 2 gets at certain themes of loss that the first one didn't. Mm-hmm. In, in, in a loss of identity, a loss of a partner. And I think Toy Story 3 does all that, but just better. Mm-hmm. So, it does it a little more grander for me. Right. And so that's the only... Because I went back and forth on this, because I think Toy Story 2 is brilliant, and I think Toy Story is the template. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, why is Toy Story 3 my favorite? And I think that it... it I don't know that it does it better than Toy Story, for instance. I think Toy Story probably is a more important movie, and they're all right. they're all perfect. So mm-hmm. to me, so I'm it's like I'm just picking a random order. But my justification was that Toy Story one is just not going to be at the top because I get certain things out of two and three that I just don't out of one, and that's what I look more and more in the movies. But if I'm going to if I'm going to say that Toy Story three can go above Toy Story one, even though Toy Story one invented these characters, then I can put it above Toy Story two, even though Toy Story two introduces that melancholy right. that really gets manipulated in Toy Story three in a way I find very satisfying as a cinematic experience. Can I say what I don't like about two? Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, what, you you, what, you, you had you're a lot allowed to, to say, shit thought, on the other two. Yeah. What? That's the rules of this fight. I have no shitty on three because debate. It's number two <laughs> to me, but. Three, uh, two is the only one that I dock a half a star, and it's because I don't like the way its book ended with the stupid Buzz video oh, game. I'm sorry. I love it. I think it is dumb, and I think Toy Story 3 does that technique better. I disagree. Because when you open Toy Story 3, it's with the world of yeah. this adventure, but it's because a child is playing with the toys. I don't like that. Why isn't it a child playing with Buzz? Why is it a video game? 
Just doesn't make well, sense. Well, because to me. I, can I rebut? Sure. I'll actually, as Ben has said like fifteen times, I can. We can. We can do whatever we want in this fight. That's right. No, Toy- there are rules. Think about <laughs> like no physical fighting. <laughs> I think that Toy Story Two focuses on that video game to remind an audience. I mean, keep in mind when it came out. Does the movie have a responsibility to speak to its times? No, but it does, and it is that video games are starting to take over children's imaginations when Toy Story 2 comes out more than the tactile hand puppet, you know, for lack of a better I way of putting that, it. I get that, but I don't see that in the movie. By by framing, by adding that by video. By framing it that by, way. By putting, folding the video game element into it, it is... Exp- in, but uh, it's Rex in, in playing the video com- game. Yeah, because, and, but who owns the video game? Andy. And they, Andy is their master. Or and and you know Andy is their Shouldn't friend. Shouldn't be Andy he's their playing icon. the video game. We don't have to see that because we know that all the toys want to emulate Andy. He's their hero. He's their god. By Rex playing the video game, it's it's he's copying learned behavior, and it's more. I agree. With we that. also don't actually Fine. the audience. We don't care about Andy. You know, we want to spend time with our friends, right. the toys, yeah. and so we still get that idea. While I think. we're on that moment, I would like to say <laughs> my relationship with Woody. <laughs> Over oh. the years, is Woody your Rocky Raccoon? Or no, Rocket Raccoon. No, Ugh. but I do. I do think it's crush based. But I've always really been like emotionally attached to Woody because I feel like I am also a person who is not nice but is a good person. And Woody is a, is very much not nice. But well, and he he's is, manipulating everybody. Yes, and so I've just like always really seen myself in Woody. I love that. He just like, he has his ideas. He goes for it, but at the end he's going to save the bear from the trash heap. I've always looked yeah. at myself as um, Sid's toy made of a doll's oh, head no. and then a Rector set into oh, a nice little no. kind, <gasps> kind but disturbing spider. Oh no. Um, oh. Should we go into the rest of our Pixar? Open with the rank. We're going to tell all of our wonderful listeners. I'm going to start at the bottom. This is our aggregated ranking. I love aggregation. Me too. I love doing math. I did math. Was did it you do the new math? way or the old way? I did it the new way. So we ranked all 17 Pixar movies that all three of us have seen. So we are excluding Finding Dory. Excluding Finding Dory, excluding Cars 3, excluding Monsters University. You haven't seen Monsters University? No. I Now I understand some things you said earlier. Because he it. hasn't seen the other sequels. Monsters University is a good movie. Okay. Finding Dory's so, better. That's a wild thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> Number 17. Cars 2. Where it belongs. Number 16. Brave. If you damn your feet. Number 15. The Good Dinosaur. He is a good dinosaur. He was a good boy. I like when that movie gets trippy. Mm. I like the, the rhino with the birds the on birdies head. Mm. Which is sort of what I mean. It was not, just not, the drug not just trip. The, not just the tripping, but mm. that character. Just the visual. The whole movie should have been that. So weird. Number 14. Paul Newman's Cars. Mm. Number 13. Mm. Just Bonnie Hunt's Pour cars. that car <laughs> salad dressing all over <laughs> my... Mm. 13. Incredibles 2. <laughs> Okay, yeah, 13. that's where I have it in my ranking, right above cars. We all put it at the same spot. Yeah. Ah! Ah! 
I put Monsters University above Thunderstorms it. in London. It's like ah. different when you <laughs> oh, include God. the other sequels that I haven't seen. Yeah. But like we all put it relatively in the same place. Yeah. I see. Where it belongs. Mm-hmm. Number 12, Monsters, Inc. Number 11, A Bug's Life. Mm-hmm. Number 10, Up. Number 9, Coco. Number 8, Finding Nemo. Number 7, The Incredibles. And then we have a tie. A duh. Tied for fifth. And it is Barbara Streisand in Funny Girl. And Katherine Hepburn in The Lion in Winter. Wow. My wow. two favorite Pixar films. Is the two Toy Story sequels tied for fifth. Nice. Two and three together as one, as they were meant to be. Stronger together. Beautiful. <laughs> Number four. I love the stronger together <laughs> ranking. <laughs> Number four. Inside Out. Number Three, Toy Story. Number two, Ben's personal favorite. He just wants to make sure that all the people who have their pinkies in the air listening to this know that he's choosing the most artful film of the bunch. It's so fun, though. It's it's our number twos. I was very... Ratatouille's always my number one, but they're basically tied for first in my mind. Number two... Uh-oh, spoiler. Is Wally the best film of 2008? Wow. Correct. That is correct. It's not correct, but number What one, was yeah. your number one of 2008? Synecdoche, New York. Revolutionary Road. Revolutionary Milk was in my top five. Milk uh, was my number, number two. two. Can I put this out there? I mean, I haven't... Frost Nixon. <sighs> was it Summer Hours? It would be no. It, w- it would be Synecdoche, New York, or Summer Hours. It would be my top two. And then Rachel Getting Married would be up there mm. as well. And Rachel Getting Married was my number two that year. What was your number one? It's just such an embarrassing choice in you retrospect. Have to say it now. Oh, please. I've said plenty embarrassing things. In Bruges. Nice. You know. But Rachel Getting Married unique. was number two. And Summer Hours and Synecdoche. That's my that's my triumvirate right there. Great. It's Wally, number two. Wally. Best film of 2008. Correct. And our number one film as a group. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, as, as a group. A group. <laughs> Is Ratatouille. Because two out of three picked it, baby. To quote another 2008 film. And it film, was my number two. To quote another 2008 film. It is one point what, behind. What Ben is trying to say <laughs> to our number one pick, or, or the way that he's behaving about this group choice versus his personal choice is, you just don't like him. <laughs> I love From doubt. the film Doubt. I quote that all the time. Mm-hmm. You, just, you just, don't just don't like, like him. him. Uh, okay, so let's talk about let's talk about Wally because we're all so hot on it. Two of us watched it today wow. for the first one time. One of us has an action Just figure. Wall, I I, I used to a, have one too. I have <gasps> a poster, but it's not here. It's in my parents. I had house. a milk poster in my college um, <gasps> nice. my college triplex. Shut up, me too, that. girl. Was it that we did Faggot. we have the same milk poster in our what, college was apartment? It like this big? Uh, no, mine was big. Oh nice. And by big, size? I mean big. Yeah, it was full size. You nice. know what full size poster I had in college? You remember the film Aragon? No. <laughs> was it a joke? It was a joke. It okay. was because I found the lead hot. Oh, no. oh yeah, the lead That's is enough. hot. The lead who is now obsolete. You know what poster I had in my college dorm room freshman year? Tell us. The season, and this is a full-size poster, the season five promotional shot of greatest television series, The Sopranos. Nice. So if you're paying attention I'm to what's familiar. happening in the lore... 
And maybe I'm thinking about six part one. It's the one where they're all in the living room. Tony's in the foreground in his chair. And then the family, like the, the two doors six, open. Okay. One, so it's six, one, it's six, one. The two doors are open to the pool and the whole family is yeah. like leading back. And then Dr. Melfi is behind the door. <laughs> you can see her through the glass. Like, you know, she's separate. She's not in the family. But Five is like there. crossing the Delaware and all of the dead the bodies. The dead bodies, all of the which is incredible. Well. No, that's why I realized I misspoke mm-hmm. because that one is Steve Buscemi's season. Yeah. And it's it's a gorgeous shot. Oh, that is good. And Brandon hasn't seen the show, so I was about. And also, I would never spoil it on here. I, I was about to like list some people. Spoiler, I give a shit. I'm glad I didn't. I'm I guess going I spoiled. Do, so, spoiler: Doctor Melfi is not killed by the mob until six, until season six. Anyway, what? And then he murders her in her office. <laughs> Does he really? No. With Uh-oh. his problems, with his hang-ups. I he don't hang- mind he, he strings her up with his hang-ups. I don't really mind spoiling. I told my parents you to don't spoil, spoil all the Sopranos of on the podcast. Tale season two to me. Okay, there's a big difference between The Handmaid's Tale and The Sopranos. There's a lot of spoilers in Handmaid's Tale season two. I learned. I've been so that's funny. I didn't watch all of season one of The Handmaid's Tale, but I have been watching season two with my oh, roommates. Really? Mm-hmm. So I'm are like, you caught up? No, but I just, I'm just because I'll like I'll miss an episode. Like I'm, I'm sure I'll see next week's, but. It's like, wow, a lot sure has happened since the first season. I haven't watched any of season two yet, but I keep telling myself I will. I, I'll finish it one so day. So let's talk about Wally. Wally. A film that manages to cut to the emotional essence amongst all the excess. A 40 minute perfect silent film. Mm-hmm. Well, no it's not human. Silent, it's dialogue free. Correct. Yeah. Sorry. Because sorry. Uh, no. 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 I'm Dial- not, no. That's that's. I'm a very sorry. Good I don't point. mean to it's actually not... you. Just the sound design is very. good. No. 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 Mm-hmm. You're right. It's not. That is very wrong to say. Well, it is a. Very wrong. It is a 40 minute dialogue free, beautiful piece of art. Wally. Eva. No human Eve. voices. There are Eve. robot Eve. robot sounds. But even that, we don't know that they're. Ha- I mean, interactive. Directive. My favorite thing to say in 2008 after I saw the film in the summer of 2008. Was it directive? No, it was define dancing. It was um, rogue robots. (laughs) (laughs) Ben leaving flaming saddles on all closing Pride weekend. Rogue robots, foreign contaminants. Oh, no. Oh dear. Leaving Fubar for you. Foreign oh contaminant. God. Not to get too regional, but yeah, Fubar is a much better much better choice. Foreign than contaminant. Fubar. I like when Wally puts his wheel on that guy's head. Mm. I think that's mm-hmm. that's like very close to my relationship with Ben across the table. I don't know who is who, but as soon as like one party tries to like clean, clean up, the up the mess, I think mess. we're both both characters, and the other is just like, I'm just gonna boop you on the head with At a little first, bit more dirt. He boops the floor. Mm-hmm. Boop, boop, boop. Then he boops his head. And then the foreign <laughs> contaminant. Scrub it up, Dub. Two pots in a tub. Little faggot robot gets so upset. Well, it, it, they're all that faggots. This is, this, is a, this is a queer romance story, and I, there's a lot of things you can point to for that. But I'll choose. I'll choose the laziest, which is that the straight romance in the film is so boring. It's mm-hmm. like we accidentally touched hands, and now we're gonna save all these kids. I because hope you're ready look, to have kids because they looked away from the screens. It's Brad Bird 10 years before <laughs> Brad Bird did it. Screen slavery. They were able to fall in love. Secretly in Wally in the mm. spacecraft. And I also think that the, that the name Screen Slaver is not a good call. It's I, very bad. When you said you were going to pick the most obvious thing, I thought you were going to say that he likes musicals. Oh, no. No, no, no that's the thing. It's like, name oh, yeah. one straight couple apart from Paul Feig and his wife, probably, who fell in love over a mutual appreciation of Hello Dolly. Right. 
Only a Matthew Broderick and Sarah Jessica Parker. Correct. That's it. <laughs> That's the only other one. Uh, uh, what else God. is there to say about this perfect? We haven't film? actually said anything about it. Yet. I know we. Truly what else is there it. to say? Just us swooning. I just want to feel like it's so good. It <laughs> That's is good. It's just us sighing. I love when all of the fat people are following. <laughs> Oh, and then I gotta say, hope you're John. Hope you're ready to have kids. Hope you're ready to have kids. Swing out. Oh, I love. Um, I love. It. <laughs> I love love. It, I do. That's one of my earliest like good tweets. Is I love love. <laughs> I love when. Wally doesn't remember at the end. I just think it's just like the most beautiful button yeah. on the end of this movie. Well, and it works yeah. well with the fact that Eve didn't know about any of the yeah the, the caretaking that he was doing for, mm-hmm. um i forgot i don't know how i forgot because i've seen this movie a lot but it's been a while that he like weakened at bernie's her for a little bit around yes. earth wrapping her up in christmas lights <laughs> one and i it's so sad when he tries to grab her hand and it closes but on you know him. what no i had a very different reaction to it this time i don't think it's, it's sad it's i think sad. it serves just... him right Trying how, to, how dare he? How dare he try doing to? Doing that without her consent. Yes. I mean, she's unconscious. It's, it's honestly creepy and desperate. Yeah. <laughs> so I actually really He's appreciated that moment this time around. And misses it does, her. Well, aren't we all? It yes. does make you wait for Eve to fall in love with him back. Yes. Which I love. I love mm-hmm. that too. But then you get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love when they go dancing in the Define space. Define dancing. This is sort of what I meant at the top. Like, this is a movie mm. that really boils... It's emotions down to an essence, and yet it takes place in an environment made of excess. Mm-hmm. And I think that the perfect visual encapsulation of that is them both spraying their way through space. Yeah. In, wow. in, spraying through space. Yeah, uh, spraying is not a word I should be using with <laughs> homosexuals at the table. He sprayed his seed into me like I've never felt before. What's wrong with you? What is that? That's your close personal friend in persona. Yeah. Oh, sorry. But you know what she says? My close personal friend says in Scenes from a Marriage, which she talks about, she's having a fight with her husband and she talks about having sex with someone else to wash all of him out of her. <gasps> oh! God. Love my close personal friend, B.B. Anderson. Mm-hmm. Same here. Um, so yeah, when they're spraying in space, which is one of my favorite scenes. Love to spray in space. Uh, it's so and beautiful. I just remember that seeing first... that high. The first time oh. I wasn't high the first time I saw it, but the first time that I saw it when I was high. Yeah. It was so magical. I saw Toy Story Three when I was high out of my mind. Nice. But I'm not gonna tell any more of that story. Okay. Oh. Did you pee your pants? No, I did not, but I, <laughs> I, I, I peed my eyes and then oh. I was crying. Nice. Oh. I wet myself. Peed my eyes. I peed my eyes. I peed my eyes. God, this is the third episode in a row where you were having pee play. There's yeah, there's there, there's piss play wow. going on in my stories. Um, I just I just the first what? I my head itch. I'm. A, <laughs> Uh, okay, so look, I know that we all love all this stuff, but it's clear that we are reaching some we sort are, of nadir of the conversation. So let's have a let's talk a little bit, but it's not really fair to inflict our uh, yeah. Let's skip Ratatouille. We've talked about Ratatouille. Please listen to the episode on the films of two thousand seven. If the you Oscar year of two thousand seven, our thoughts, our thoughts, t h o t s on Ratatouille. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wanted to say that the first forty minutes oh, minutes sorry, of Wally makes wow. me think of A- it makes me think of A.O. Scott's um, 
blurb on the film when he mm. put it as his number one of 2008. Thank mm-hmm. you so much. What I don't, did he I say? Well, he just like talked about how it's like those 40 minutes are like the most brilliant thing mm-hmm. and, and comparing it to... How know. they... You I know. don't remember what he said. Also, just, this isn't Red it, Bird. It, it led the way. Huh? This is Andrew Stanton. It's Andrew Stanton. It led the way for the artist to be able to win Best Picture. Andrew Stanton. I don't really mean that. I, that was a joke, but I... Oh, <laughs> that is not what I thought you meant. I thought you meant like... Real artistry in the animated feature category. This is the arrival no. of the auteurism. Mm. Anyway, I think Andrew, which isn't even true. I think Andrew Stanton has um, among the best Pixar movies. Yeah, he did. I'd like to do a John this Carter Nemo. episode. Nemo and Finding Dory. <laughs> oh. Well, let's talk. <laughs> let's just. I just very briefly because we should wrap up soon. But yeah. just very briefly, I want to talk about Inside Out. I'd love yes. to because I had a bit of a come to Jesus finally, with which this I movie. just think it's such. It's one of the most structurally flawless movies I think I've ever seen in my life, and that just like feeds my soul. It is a Can perfect I, tight ninety. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna go because I agree, and I and, and in my letterbox log I made clear that my feelings about the movie are nothing I have to say about this movie matters because I think that when it comes to telling children that it's okay to be sad. And in fact, you can't actually emotionally develop without leaning into the harder feelings that you have. And that unpleasantness is a gateway for acceptance. And that is where growth comes from. It is, it gives them permission. It, mm-hmm. it, it is security. And it. I don't, I, I assume we all were depressed kids. I, I would have, I would yeah. have, it would have meant a lot. My mother recently said, I forgot you were such a miserable child <laughs> while looking through photo albums. I mean, I, I, I was very much like Riley and that you put, I'm alone in a room and that's when, that's when shit starts getting mm-hmm. dark. And then that, the older I got, like once I hit puberty, then that starts infecting my relationships and my family at the dinner table, for mm-hmm. instance. Yeah. I mean, going off that, like it's such an important movie because yeah. it tells young kids that being sad is okay like yeah. sadness, sadness is the hero of the movie yeah sadness starts off as the pest mm-hmm. turns out to be the hero i just and and the parents like where's my happy girl and it's mm-hmm. such a cliche i can't tell you how many times i heard that growing up and, yeah, and, like, and where's my like, happy boy it felt my like happy a monster girl. because mm-hmm. i wasn't able to deliver right yeah you know the cookie cutter happiness that i was expected to have you know my parents did a wonderful job raising me but <laughs> you know where was the joy right I just watching it this time. Just I like love the, the best picture lineup of 2013. Where was the joy? Oh, wow, that was 2015. The 2015. Where it was the was same the joy? year as Inside Out? I this Academy Award winner for best animated feature, Inside Out. Wait, Correct. but let me just. Oh wait, Brandon, you're going to say your thing. Well, film comments number eight, film of the year, Inside Out. <laughs> I think that's right. I don't remember. <laughs> this this time watching it, I've seen the film Oprah Fingers. The correct number <laughs> three times ah, now. I think that's right for me too. Um, I've seen it three the, times as well. The nice. second two times I watched it, which includes this most recent rewatch, I start crying on maybe the third note of the score. When she's like, da, I'm joy. Da, 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 da. <laughs> Boom, tears. I feel it. I mean, I, I think that part of that is a Pavlovian response yes. to the way that these films really burrow into your soul and yeah. your emotions. And also they, they ask you to tap back into a more pure time mm-hmm. of, you know, if you were, if you, if your childhood was 
happy. Um, or, or just... Anyway, yes, I agree with you. The, sc- the scores of Pixar films end up being very triggering when you're yeah. watching them again. Was that one Michael Giacchino again? Who, by the know. way, does a wonderful job with the full orchestra and The Incredibles, and I think okay. Incredibles 2 is a little, the Incredibles 2 a little bit score, of the same, but no. also good. Incredibles 2 score, Michael Giacchino ramps it up to 500. He takes the original theme of Incredibles and just like adds so I guess, much I guess to for it. me it's like Giacchino has been doing that for the past, like, five to ten years of his career. Mm-hmm. There's, like, a trumpet trill that gave me just, like, beep, so beep. much. No, it's just, like, this moment where it go- the trumpet goes so high. It's just, like, this moment where it's, like. You can't hear it. I just, an- I just did another one, but that, it's so high that it, no the human ear cannot it. pick it Only up. Only the dog <laughs> up can hear it. Only Squirrel. Doug. Um, yeah, we, wait, we haven't talked about... Well, we can't we're not talk. Gone. We talked about it. We talked about it. Um, I just <laughs> think... In, I just love all of the little details in the film Inside Out and the way that, like, memories are created and that, like, you don't create a memory for every single thing that happened in the day. It's just, like, the, the emotionally volatile moments. Or the mm-hmm. moments you least expect. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, like, little things. And, like, the emotions don't know that it's going to happen necessarily until it happens. And you that, don't know what's going to be a core memory. I love it. That's something that this time around, I re- it resonated much more with me. A problem I had with the f- and by the way, what I was saying earlier about it's it, this movie is so important as a um, it's okay moment for children. Mm-hmm. I felt like that since the first time I saw it, and yeah. I've always like there's things I don't like about it, but I just don't feel comfortable talking about it. Not because I'm scared people are going to gang up on me, but more because it's like how is this helping? You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one thing, like finally this time, I didn't have the problem of. The way that these emotions are built, I don't, I don't like that they're controlling her rather than mm. her controlling them. And this time around, I don't know what I was missing the first two times. I was like, oh, no. I mean, I mean, it. it first of all, they are one and the same. Mm-hmm. And second of all, like Ben was saying, like they don't know how something's going to come in. Like it, they're still having to process. I mean, that's what emotions are. It's process, yeah. um, processing things. Anyway, and I love yeah. that no, I, I I'm, I'm running saying. out of steam. It, I feel it, like I love when at the end we get the the yellow and blue ball combined and yes. we are yes. introduced to melancholy. Uh, yeah. I also love and how and that, just like, more like complex emotions. Yeah, just mm-hmm. feeling advanced. They get a they you know, they in the that fun moment where they get the larger yeah. bore. Mm-hmm. Just and what's this what's this button? Puberty. What's puber puberty? puberty. <laughs> But no, I, I love the blended colors too. One of Millie, Mindy Kaling's greatest roles, mm-hmm. as discussed. She's so good. I love that the, the I love that Casey Musgraves wrote a whole song uh, about those multicolored orbs. Oh my god! The way she's feeling tonight, happy and sad at the same time. <gasps> On wow. and that it's, it's Casey unspoken. Musgraves wrote a song about the flowers and the concrete and Wally. Oh, anyway, that uh, what song was that? Flowers and the concrete. What is that? Song? Love is a wild thing. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, the mom's main emotion is sadness. Yes, I'm glad you're bringing this it's up. It's unspoken. Yes. The dad's main emotion is anger. Anger, yeah. anger sits at the head of the table Oh the dad. Oh my God. Sadness yes. sits at the head of the table I've never noticed that. No, and that, I it's love that. It's not happy in the middle? No, no, it's not joy. And and that goes, I mean, obviously. Oh, it's beautiful. It's true for every character. Yeah, and I love that you brought this up and I was going to bring it up. And um, I, God, I'm, Wait, my so brain is each off. Character. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. And also the the gender of yeah. those voices in the head. You know, I I think that it's interesting, and I think it's partly motivated by the fact that they wanted to get 
Louis Black and Bill right. Hader in that mix as well. But I also think that it's interesting that the children have, not the boy, but anyway, that Riley has mixed gender voices in her head. Um, because maybe she doesn't know. The boy has all boys. The dad has all men. But the for, mom has but all for the adults, you get to understand right. that like they get to a place. Of Riley has men and women emotions. Oh, that's interesting. I never mm-hmm. thought about that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure you're right. I'm sure it's because they're the leads and they want a mix of voice actors. And but they it don't is want compelling. To be, but it is but, interesting. But I yeah. do think the, the more interesting thing is that the mother is ruled by sadness. But mm-hmm. I cannot believe I never but noticed so, that. So here, what I want to say, the other piece of it is, is not only is it unspoken that they're ruling the roost, but everybody actually seems to be on the same page about most emotions. Everyone still has their moment right. of pure expression of, of emulating that anger or joy or sadness but these are well-adjusted adults and they have learned the lessons that riley is going through here mm-hmm. and the uh, emotions are not so much competing as conferring mm-hmm. right and i that's think that's pretty cool too it's like they it's like anger will react but then defer to sadness in exactly the mom yeah and it's like, it's well, like an internal thing. It's just like there isn't this hot explosion yeah. that you get when you're a teen. When, right. and, and what I meant um, that I did a poor job of saying earlier about my problem with the movie, like being more Riley's more ruled by these characters in her head rather than they're r- ruled by Riley. The whole reason the adventure takes place in the first place is because of the emotional adjustment she is having to make to her life being uprooted and that her hormones are starting to play into all of this. So... Mm-hmm. When the islands break and fall apart, yeah. it's not because Joy made a mistake. It's because Riley is learning how to properly feel things right. and how to properly express internally and externally. It's just a personification of exactly. her. Exactly. Now, I, it's not that sadness is a different character randomly touching exactly. memories and making them sad. No. It is a, it's like it's supposed to represent a hormonal response. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I don't know how... I don't think I missed it completely the first time, but... I just must have been watching it wrong. I th- honestly, I think part of it has to do with that everything is very cleanly broken down mm-hmm. into the the islands of interest yeah. and the orbs mm-hmm. and the control board and the five different emotions yeah. and the manuals of emotional yeah, response. You, you might it, think it's more like well, laid out than it really is. Like there's more nuances a, within that. I can't system. think of the word. It's but it's like it's. It's a little too clinical, clean in its systems. Sure, yeah. And I don't have that problem as much this time. What I will say, I'll give one problem I have with the movie, and again, not because I'm trying to be right about it, but my an issue I have with the movie is similar to what I was talking about with the promise of adventure and up, which is that we see through the headquarters up in the sky and like the Seattle Space Needle of Riley's brain we see all of these different islands, all these different lands that promise these very vivid, exciting adventures. Mm-hmm. And we spend most of the time walking through a library of multicolored orbs. Now, right. we, we get really visually expressive moments in abstract thought in the imagination land. But I actually, I know it's a tight 90, but I don't actually want, I, I realize that that's, it's sort of perfect in that way. Mm-hmm. And as a delivery system, it's hard to beat. But I would have much rather had a scene where joy and sadness are on an island as it's crumbling mm. apart. It's like, Instead of just watching them. Yes. It, it's too observational. They're spectators for so much of this. And I wanted them to be much more in the action of it. And I'm fine with it without because it it is... So what I... The reason that I think like Incredibles 2 doesn't hold up and a lot of the newer Pixar films is that as a... As an auteur, Pixar has gotten so 
flawlessly they're able to construct these immaculate brilliantly emotionally engineered instruments like vehicles basically and so you can feel it when they're just spinning their wheels much more intuitively than you can if it was like say dreamworks because sure. if DreamWorks had released Incredibles 2 as like a new film franchise it would have been whatever, thrilling. We would have been like, they finally are getting their shit together. Yep. Right. And it's so, because Pixar set the bar so yeah. high for themselves. And, and they're not... Exactly. That's that's what I'm saying. But they're not spinning their wheels in Inside Out. But I just know that they could have explored so much more of right. this space. And it would have been with like... That it's Pixar doing it. Like it just would have been so fucking great. But it doesn't have to be that. And I'm fine with that. But... No. I'm just like I don't think it should be that. But I don't why, think so either. But why shouldn't it be that? Like I think it's perfect as is. No, no, no but, but not not that argument. Because like I said, I agree that it's perfect as is. So like I can I can understand that I think the film works, works as is. These emotions are not trying to explore her areas of interest. They're just trying to get back to. But they are trying to explore her areas of interest. I mean, maybe not. They, they certainly are, and that they they have taken an interest in hockey in family joy is just like what is happening when the what, islands are coming so obviously they're invested them in them the reason to do that though because they're trying to get back i mean we don't have to that's the, i mean they know what they are trying to get to the train of thought in order to get back up to the headquarters mm-hmm. so i don't understand why they can't walk through one more land on their way to the train of thought i mean there's i think because they don't need to but they could if the train of thought was one island over yeah, but they, I just don't. Again, I'm saying it works perfectly as is, but I see all of this exciting landscape seen in wide. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the color palette is so exciting. And the animation style is so I just exciting. don't think it's about that. But it is about that. It's a, it, it is about saying goodbye to interests in your life and reframing um, memories that were once happy and gave you identity as sad and as something that you don't have anymore. It is what it's about. And it is very much about... But it's about the emotions. Are in the, they're in the emotional hall. It's about how the emotions are exploring this tur- this moment of emotional... Or, or just of turbulence in this girl's life and how she reacts to it. But especially Joy is extremely invested in the hockey of it all, for instance. I'm not saying that's the island I want to go to. But... They are invested in the family, in um, but how in does Goofball that get them Island. To their goal. No, it doesn't have to. It, it's not like we have to be there and realize, like, oh yeah, the key to fixing all of this was going to Goofball Island. I'm saying if we're going to watch those islands crumble, I think it's more visually exciting to be inside of them for the first one. No. You accomplish the same thing. You just get more varied action. And I think it's more visually stimulating than walking through hallways of balls. I'm never convinced they're meant to go to the islands physically. But they do go to one. They go to the Imagination Island or whatever it's called. Only to get back. No, Imagination Land is not one of the islands. That's fine. But they go to a studio and all this. And, and so like I, this is what I'm saying. It, I get what I want out of it. But I think that it's weird to set up all of these areas of interest and then not even get to sit on one. That's all I'm saying. But I again, I don't. I'm fine with it. I'm more than fine with it, and it doesn't bother me as much this time, because it is sort of a um, a crushing and, and melancholy and beautiful image to see something that defines Riley. Mm-hmm. They, they are helpless 
to fixing it by stopping the inevitable destruction of that aspect of her personality. I think it's mm-hmm. beautiful to capture it in a wider shot. And, to, and, and it, it really implies the powerlessness over it. I also But wonder... I just think that, I think that you could do better than walking through hallways of balls for a lot of this movie. Or, 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 or being in a I void. Disagree. Or being in a void beneath. <laughs> Agree to disagree. I, I do. Uh, one last thing I want to say about it. I gave it four out. and a half stars. All right. I do think it's interesting that it could also be viewed the islands crumbling away and uh, 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 Riley reckoning with her own sadness could also be like a a metaphor for like, you know, depression. Because as a person becomes depressed, you lose interest in what used to excite Mm -hmm. you and make you excited for life. Mm -hmm. So I think it's very powerful in that regard. And I think that's all, just going off your point, I think that's all those islands need to do. I don't think there's spaces that actually need to be explored by the characters. I just think they're there to see, you know. I agree with that. I'm saying that we see all of these... I know what you're saying. I know. That's you want to be inside of them. You I want to be inside of them. I just think it's weird to spend time in less interesting visual spaces and then you have all of these almost literal hot fudge sundays in front of you and you're not going to dive into them. But it's fun. It, it doesn't need to do that. I'm just saying you could have. Could have. But, I, but I'm, I'm less interested. Like I Would've. said, I don't like talking about my problems with the movie because I don't think they really matter. So I will say what Brandon's talking about with it being a metaphor for depression, I think that's totally apt. Mm-hmm. But I also think there's something really beautiful about just getting older and things that used to interest you don't interest you anymore. And that's fine. And what joy processes as almost a terrorist attack happening in front of her. Mm-hmm. You know, it, 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 I don't, maybe it's just like being the age that just like going through 9 11, but I see gigantic buildings like that crumble, and I think it just makes me think of 9 11. And she certainly is viewing it a, a, mm-hmm. as something like that. But in order for Riley to grow up, sometimes you have to, or just for a person to grow up, you have to break down mm-hmm. who you were to then build up what's coming next. And then right. later, we see there's like 20 different right. interest islands. Mm-hmm. But hockey comes back, right? Yeah, I think yeah. hockey comes back. But then family like, comes back. Because to me, the crumbling of the we're getting way too deep on this. We should wrap it the fuck up. But to me, the island's crumbling isn't her growing out of interest. It was her losing interest because no, no, she's of... she's redefining the interest. Oh. She, she's she's finding a new way to get into these things. Yes. Right? Because, because hockey the used hockey to be memory... about her team in Minnesota, and the and the memory that mixed happy and sad ends up being a hockey And until memory. you kill that, you can't right. actually have the honest truth. Yeah. But I do think that there's a depressive angle to it as well. Because it's not like her family crumbles and then she's just done with family. Right. right. Yeah, but, yeah. But until she gets vulnerable and thinks to herself, I don't have a connection with my parents anymore, until she is sad, she can't actually come to them as a vulnerable human being and mm-hmm. say, I miss home. And yeah. then they reconnect in a whole brand new way. Right. And she'll, it's like, she'll never have that one friend again. Right. It's like, they may continue Skyping. That's probably going to fade. Yeah. And that's no tragedy. That's just life. life. Yeah. So yeah, in that point, yeah, Friendship Island crumbles, but it restructured and maybe Mm -hmm. with with new New friends. friends. Mm -hmm. Mm. I love growth. I mean, I think we're constantly, our, our islands of interest in our head are, are being re- or shifted. Yes. What are my islands of interest in my brain? You want to know mine? Yeah. 
Oh, I sh- we should have come prepared. Yes, what are they? I've I've just like tweeted. These are my only interests. <laughs> <laughs> Movies, gin, <laughs> dick. <laughs> Uh, there was a fourth one. I can't remember it. Wait, what's oh. your what's your main per- your main person is um, probably sadness, but it's like a cool sadness. It's like I mean, sadness and anger are constantly battling. Yeah, for sure. So I just envisioned the sadness and the anger one being like being the narrator of the Inside Out mm. movie of your life, and it's uh-huh. like, and there's Dick Island. Yeah, wait, hold on. He, ben loves Dick Island. So you're telling me that the, <laughs> that the anger and sadness in Ben's head aren't going to try and explore Dick Island. You're telling me that Ben's That's emotions... That's a different movie. No, 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 it's not. Because they Ben's emotions care as much about Dick on Dick Island as Riley's not emotions care about hockey. sadness and anger. Joy might You're saying there. that sadness has no relationship to getting laid? Oh, well, that's a different conversation. How is it a different conversation? Because it's not the job of the emotions in the world that this movie has set none out of, that they go but to none of the their island. none of their job. The, the whole thing is that it's all thrown into the the, the natural order of things or, or the, 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 the generally agreed upon order mm-hmm. is thrown into chaos. Um, so just, it's chaos. There's no rules. You're asking the movie to be a different movie. Go to Hockey Island. <laughs> Watch a different movie. For Christ's sake. I love the movie. Watch a different one. You're done. You're banned from Inside Out. All right. This has been Movies (laughs) IMO. That's such a bummer because I get so much out of it. My name is Ben MP and I love dying every day (laughs) and being reborn with the new thoughts and feelings. Anyway. My name's Daniel Crook. You can find me on the internet at Daniel Crook. And I love the way that Brad Bird explores character in his action. Mm. For instance, in the Mm. first fight, Mr. Incredible's making a big mess going through all the rubble. Uh. And Elastigirl is very nimbly bouncing from free space to free space. Uh. Wow. And so it's not just what looks cool in the action sequence. It's what would that character do? That's right. Wow. I'm Brandon Kirby. You can find me on Twitter at BK Kirby. And you can find him on Dick Island if you're looking Dick for Dick Island. Oh. On Gin Island. I'm just kidding. You're not banned from the film. Oh, I know I'm not banned from the film. <laughs> I didn't even hear you banned him from I the banned film. him from Inside Out. Oh. And, then, and then you said, that's the end of the episode. <laughs> so I didn't even have a chance to fight my way back oh. in. I'm tired. I didn't say. You can find me on the internet at Real Haynes. You can find Movies IMO on the internet at Movies IMO. Please at us with your... Pixar rankings on Twitter and Movies IMO. What are your favorite Pixar films? What are uh, your favorite? Cars 3? Cars 4? Where are good dinosaur oh, stands at? <laughs> Cars 4. Is that it? That's, oh, probably. It's probably not because John Lasseter is dead. He's dead. <laughs> as far as I'm aware, John Lasseter has if been If you're killed. upset that nobody spoke up for it, it's up to you to rave for Brave. That's right. On mm. Pixar. Or on mm. Pixar. On Brave, Twitter. Brave Pixar, Brave Pixar Island. Brave 2. Braver. <laughs> Braver. Braver than yesterday. <laughs> what are we talking about next week? Next oh, God. Week. What are... Oh. Oh, fuck. Is it the special episode Next already? week we're talking about... God, <laughs> so, much so much homework. So much homework. Pride. I only have like two movies left to watch. Well, you've been... I had family in town this weekend. I've I had been busy. Planned. I've got a very... Ironically, have a very busy week this uh, for the queer film festival I work oh, for. For right. the pri- so that will take away from my Pride homework viewing. Wow. I had plans Friday night and Saturday night, and they both pride. canceled. Yes. So I just watched movies all weekend. It was nice. great. It's truly I beautiful. saw you ping ponging between Pride homework and Pixar homework. You know who else loves to? I wasn't even really watching Bing Pride bong? homework. Wally. Oh, I was just watching <laughs> other gay movies. Like I watched Female Trouble for the first time. 
And well, I watched... Okay, I was going to say, save your interesting commentary. You're right. Yeah. Um, save it, bitch. I'm trying to watch as many gay movies as I can this June, in addition mm-hmm. to the homework that we have. To prove that he's a better gay than you. Yes. Well, I'm the worst gay. I'm straight at this table. You're right. But you did watch Angels in America. We'll talk about that next I was going to text you earlier today. Oh, no, I was going to I was gonna put it on the Twitter, I think, and invite you to go see Deadpool 2 tonight at the Downtown Independent. Oh, it's having well. a special run. Oh. Asking to after recording. How special. <laughs> On this Wednesday evening. All right, well, I got to go. Got to get, get there. <laughs> I think it's tomorrow that it's playing at work, Brandon. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to line up. I'm going to stand outside the Paramount lot and be like, let me in. Just like knocking on the gate. <laughs> let me in. <laughs> I'm pansexual, but I'm only interested in women. Oh. He wants to fuck Colossus. As a joke. Apparently. No. He you touched, said it was. He touches his butt. Well. <laughs> <laughs> my fa- my favorite Ingmar Bergman movie, <laughs> The Touch, starring Elliot Gould mm. and B.B. Anderson. Are we done? Yeah. The winner is Jane Fonda. Thank you. Thank you very much, members of the Academy, and thank all of you who applauded. There's a great deal to say, and I'm not going to say it tonight. I would just like to really thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs>